Right now, I'm in Thailand, quarantined, it's a foreign scene Can't go to the airport and leave, and I thought my whole life was boring Jeez, excuse me I'm about to bang my forehead on the floor and scream The dude I'm staying with's annoying, how much fucking torture can boredom be? Take my ass to the Morgan piece Look, bitch. It's 2020, I was preparing some new bombs And making sure that my competition gon' put a noose on My aggression ain't really a subtle nuance I've been in the game 10 years, I cannot do wrong Who's on when I'm on a savage as usual I'm back in the booth, I had rappers to prove on Now there just ain't many brands I can move on All because someone ain't bad soup in Wuhan well shit, that's what I heard I don't know what it was mixed with But for someone to jeopardize everyone's life Man, it must have been fucking delicious This shit is fucking ridiculous Can't be with my son or my siblings The government tripping My pussy appointments with dozens of bitches are cancelled Now guess what I'm tugging my dick with? My right hand Oh, when I get a tingle inside of my penis I'm like, hi my friend And you know the lotion is sitting on my nightstand And when I finish my business I go to night night land And now I gotta take a weapon getting groceries Hopefully motherfuckers know the back of 40 feet Don't be jokingly mingling if you happen to notice me I ain't fucking with none of you niggas to the Rona League Ugh, get back, move back, step back, y'all better not touch me Hey, get back, move back, step back, y'all better not touch me huh? I done been told y'all niggas back up, move You don't wanna see me call back up, no, so get back, move back, step back, y'all better not What's up folks, Ahorphilia Jason and welcome to a brand new episode of Bloody Bits 2.0 This is the first trimester of 2020 Horror VOD special uh, this is originally was going to be a quarterly episode, but the uh, first uh, three months of 2020, let's just say the VOD selections were pretty lacking. So majority of these reviews you're going to hear tonight were actually from uh, April releases. So I just went ahead and changed the show from the first quarter of the year to the first trimester. So we'll have two more of these bad boys coming later in the year. And if you're not familiar with uh, the Bloody Bits, welcome. I'm Jason, your host. Uh, most Bloody Bit episodes are me going solo, reviewing horror, Blu-ray, and DVD releases for the year that I get uh, screener co- from different screener companies. Uh, but I also do these VOD specials where I gather a bunch of my favorite podcasting buddies and we record different uh, reviews uh, together here and we compile them together and this is what you get. I love doing these particular episodes because I don't really do much shit at all. <laughs> all I do is compile these bad boys together and release them here. Uh, back in the day when I first started doing these VOD specials, I used to have to do a lot more editing work. I would have to uh, do different filters and uh, try to make it sound better. But nowadays, everyone has great uh, recording equipment. So there's pretty much nothing I have to do but just make sure the levels, everyone's volume is about the same. That's all I really do, so I love doing these particular podcasts. Now, this episode, I was extremely lazy on. I'm, I don't even have any review on here. I'm just going to be your host for tonight. And as far as the production values on this, I really went really minimal on this here. I don't have any crazy interludes. Anyway, I just went very minimal, put it that way here. The only thing you heard, of course, is the song at the beginning of the uh, podcast, and I'll play a song at the end. But every film review that you're going to hear tonight, it is currently available on VOD to rent. And I think uh, now with coronavirus, uh, people are out there finding out how important VOD actually is. And if you follow me on Facebook and some other horror groups I'm in, I've recently went on a rant on how overrated I think movie theaters are. I'm not going to get into it here, but (laughs) you can find it out there on the interwebs. All right, before we get to the episode, I do want to do a shout out to there's a horror trivia podcast going out there. Uh, it is, I believe, uh, hopefully I'm not wrong here, but yeah, I think it's 16 different horror podcasters. Uh, I think there's a listener and 15 different podcasters. Most of them are on the Horror Philly Network, or they're at least friends of the network here. Uh, they're 
we're all in a battle to see who is the best or trivia. Uh, and I may or may not have moved on to the second round. There's been three episodes so far, so you can hear uh, that means two, four, six, six different uh, contests so far. I think there's going to be one more podcast before the round two. But that is on the main feed on Horrorfilly Network, uh, and you can find it on a bunch of other feeds. But for sure, it's always there. So make sure you check that out. And that's the Horror Trivia Podcast. And that is put together by uh, JP of 22 Shots and Brandon of Exploding Heads. Uh, they're the host of that. And uh, it, there's a lot of controversy, but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to introduce you the podcasters tonight and their films are going to review. And this is a pretty interesting mix here. This is the most eclectic mix of solo reviews mixed with uh, group reviews. We never had this many solo reviews ever before, I, I don't believe here. Also a big mixture of short reviews versus long reviews. <laughs> As you can uh, check the running time on this, it's uh, a little bit longer than normal here, which I'm all down for. I love a uh, fucking long podcast here. All right, so here is who's going to be participate tonight. So first up going solo is Brandon Young, one half of the Anatomy of Fear podcast. He's going to be reviewing a film called The Dare. Uh, we have JP uh, from 22 Shots and Mr. Watson. Uh, there, This is the first time I believe they did a combo review, at least on Bloody Bits. And they took on a film called Witches in the Woods. We have Mr. Donna Nelly from the Horror Mafia podcast. And, of course, guest host on tons of different podcasts recently. He is going to be reviewing a film called Abominable. Uh, we have uh, Neil uh, Nudie and Suzanne from the NFW No Fucking Way Movie Commentary Podcast. They're once again, they're a regular on this show. Uh, they are reviewing two films, one called Penance Lane and another called Inner Ghosts. Uh, we also have one half of the Bay of Blood podcast. Uh, we have Glenn also known as BDG Reviews. He's going to be reviewing a film called Fuck You, Immortality. We have another duo that's a regular on here, Tom and Joe from the DWN's The Horror Crap Podcast. They are reviewing another horror anthology film, and it is called A Night of Horror, colon, Nightmare Radio. Uh, we also have another regular of this podcast, Mike Merriman and Jerry Cortez from the No More Room in Hell in Fresh Cuts, they are reviewing a film called Sea Fever. We have another regular, called, uh, Mr. Philip Perrin, from the Dark Discussions podcast. He is reviewing a film called The Dark Red. Uh, we have another duo that's a regular, uh, which is Derek B. from Cinema Attack. And Moods from the 22 Shots. They are reviewing a film called Rootwood. And last but not least, we have Lacey Liu and Dan Chase from Cut to the Chase podcast, and they coming in epic. They're going to end the podcast. They have an epic review of We Summon the Darkness. So strap in, get your favorite beverages, get your favorite snacks, sit back and enjoy. Now, before I uh, introduce the first review here, I want to mention the very first song that you heard at the beginning of the podcast. It is by a rapper that I'm uh, just discovered in the past few years but uh, i think he's highly underrated it's a rapper named hobson and he has a song a brand new song called covid mansion pretty obvious why i picked that song it's a pretty cool song but with all the shit that's going on i thought that'd be fitting to introduce the podcast all right so now moving on to the very first review for tonight it is brandon young 
Uh, apparently, Alan from the Anatomy of Fear podcast, his partner, wasn't able to join him. But uh, Brandon's going to take on a film called The Dare. Take it away, Brandon. What's up, bloody bits? Welcome to the Anatomy of Fear. This is one half of your regular hosting team, Brandon. Alan and I couldn't figure out a way to make this one work because I didn't have a lot of time to record. So, it's just me. Tonight, I'm talking about 2020's The Dare, directed by Giles Alderson. If you're not familiar with Giles Alderson, well, neither am I. And I'll say that for 99% of this cast as well, which is not a bad thing. I can appreciate a movie when it's people I don't recognize, and it's nice when there's a character actor in there that I do recognize to get me interested. And in this case, we had Richard Brake starring as Credence. In addition, you had Bart Edwards as Jay Jackson, Richard Short as Adam Hines, Alexander Evans as Cat, and then some more people I've never heard of before. So here's our synopsis from the IMDb. A rare family night for Jay takes a brutal twist when he awakens in a basement with three other prisoners. As their vengeful captor runs riot, Jay engages in a twisted battle to solve the puzzle to his past and save his family's future. Initial impressions. Cover art is really bad here. My good friend Dave Z is very discernful of what he watches based on cover art. Now, I'll say I always thought that was kind of silly, but... I've been doing it more lately, and I can see his point with it. This one, the cover art's bad. It's some dude who's he's pretty jacked. I mean, good for him. He's got a he's got a knife. He's got a mask. He's he's flexing his guns. He's got a wife beater on. So I mean, he's he's looking pretty tough. But it's bad cover art. That said, the cover art doesn't reflect the film itself. So here's some of my initial impressions. Other than the terrible cover art. The concept that's introduced at the beginning of the movie of a husband seeing his wife and children in danger is a scary concept. I'm a parent, so I can empathize with that. I also noticed that the score is really pretty good on this and the cinematography. For a low-budget film, I don't know exactly what the budget is. This looks much better and sounds much better than most movies in this budget range. So I'll give them props for that. I'm notoriously a critic of lower-budget production. I appreciate independent film and I appreciate low budget film, but you can do these things and still have them look decent, and they did a good job with this one. Again, I mentioned Richard Brake is always a positive in my book. They take some time having you try and figure out who Richard Brake's character is in this movie. We have some timeline that jumps back and forth, so it's a little confusing, but then it starts to make sense. Other than that, there's not a lot to talk about in this film. He was pretty well made. It was pretty well acted, and it had some things that worked. There were some good practical effects and gore, which were fun. But it was just kind of, I don't know, middle of the road. Nothing too exciting to talk about here. The story was fairly bland, but again, it was well made. Tied together with those little bits of gore, I was engaged the entire time. But it felt like a story I'd seen before. 
The director, Giles Alderson, has been around for quite a while, but has never done anything big. I will say, based on this, I'd like to see what he has coming in the future as well, because I think this does show some promise. As I mentioned, I'm not a big fan of low budget, but this guy did well with what he had. At 97 minutes, I wish this movie would have been maybe 7 or 8 minutes shorter, but it still does a pretty good job with its time. There are some parts where it starts to drag, and the back and forth between past and present does get a little confusing and maybe takes a little too long, but it still manages its time well. I would have liked to have seen more out of Richard Brake in this performance. Maybe a little bit more on the backstory of how he got this kid, and maybe make him a little scarier to the kid. But other than that, I thought it was a pretty solid entry. And I will say, Jason, giving you credit, this is much better than the last film I watched for you. Um, So thank you, I appreciate that. I also can't even remember the name of the last film that we watched for Bloody Bits, so this one is a positive. So for my rating, I'm going to have to give this one a 6 out of 10, which is above average for me. I work from a 0 to 10 scale, with 5 being dead in the middle, so a 6 is an above average film. Not much, I still think with the production value, and pretty decent performances for a low budget film, this is worth your time. This is available on demand now, so I do recommend go and give it a try. Don't expect anything that's going to be on your top 10 at the end of the year, but help support independent cinema and see the movie. So that's all I got. I don't have anything else to say about this one. And now, a little bit of shameless self-promotion. As mentioned at the beginning, my main show is The Anatomy of Fear. We are a somewhat quarterly podcast that takes topics in society and horror and dives into them. You can find us on all major podcast directories, however, we are not part of a network. Outside of that, I am one of the co-hosts of the HorrorCast, and also contribute regularly to several other shows, including some on Horrorphilia, such as Cut to the Chase and Fresh Cuts. For what we have coming up next, we are working on a couple new episodes with some great guest hosts, and my co-host, Alan, just finished up a pretty cool Russian horror video and is wrapping up a Polish horror video. So please check those out. Finally, I just want to thank Jason Lloyd for having us on this episode of Bloody Bits. We appreciate all that you do for the horror community, and we appreciate being able to be part of this show. Please get out there and support independent horror podcasts, cinema, and fiction. And with that, wash your hands, and we'll see you later. All right. Thank you, sir, for that review. Make sure you check out his stuff. And all the podcasters will have links you can click on in the show notes. That way you can go to their respective Facebook pages and check out what they're doing. Uh, Oh, yeah, and I forgot to mention that I haven't heard any of these reviews at all. All I did was, like I said, check the levels on them and see who uh, did the reviews. Other than that, I have no idea what their opinion was on any of these films. I did see a few of these films, so I will give my very brief opinion on the ones I did see. Uh, I did see The Dare, and I'm not sure if Brandon's going to like it or not. I'm going to come in and say it's okay. It's actually probably a little bit better than what I was expecting. But yeah, it's uh, worth watching if it's this is your kind of film. All right, now moving on to the next review. It is called Witches in the Woods. And this is uh, actually from Shout Factory, uh, which is kind of strange. I mean, it's actually Shout Factory film and not Scream Factory. But I think whenever they do VOD stuff, it's always under Shout Factory. But eventually when they release it, they may change it to Scream Factory. That's my assumption. I have no idea. I could be totally wrong. But this is a Shout uh, Factory VOD film. 
And uh, we'll see what JP and uh, Mr. Watson think about it. Take away, guys. Greetings and salutations, my dear listeners of Bloody Bits. It is likely that up to this point in the show, you've heard film reviews from some rather capable podcasters who are most certainly deserving of my compliments. Having said this, it is now time for you to ascend to greater heights as you place yourselves in the comfortable arms of two men who are most certainly nothing short of veritable ordained ministers in the art of film critique. You have heard from the apprentices, but we shall now step into the world of the masters. I present to you all Mr. Watson and JP. Give them hell gentlemen. Give it to them fucking good and be sure to keep it funky fresh up in this bitch. Hello and welcome once again to yet another fine Bloody Bits VOD special. I'm Mr. Watson of the Watsy Party Horror Show, Horror Corridor, and the Horror Cast, as if you didn't know that shit already. And while I typically fly solo when I do these Bloody Bits reviews, I couldn't be happier to be joined by one of my absolute favorite podcasters in the horror community. He is a five-star general of the horror genre and is a man of many shows, each and all of which are personal favorites of mine that I never miss. I'm talking about the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast, the His and Hers movie podcast, and the Netflix and Chill horror podcast folks. I'm happy to have with me here for this review, Justin Patrick, a.k.a. JP. How you doing tonight, my friend? Yo, what's up, dude? So I thought that, first of all, thank you for that intro. That was very lovely. Aww. I thought that, didn't Brandon stand you up one time? Weren't you supposed to? You said you usually fly solo. Is that because Brandon didn't show up? In, indeed, you speak the truth, my friend. He was supposed to do the Daniel Isn't Real review with me, and he claims, and even claimed publicly on Exploding Heads, that he told me, oh, I can't do it. Folks, let me just level. That never happened. I love my boy B, but tisk tisk buddy <laughs> so everyone we're here to bring you a review of the brand new april 24th vod release which is in the woods 2020 but before we get going here's how we're going to be conducting this review we're going to begin with a synopsis of the film give you some quick film setup and then we'll talk about our likes our dislikes and finally we'll be concluding with our final thoughts and ratings of the film and jp i i got that synopsis on lock man you want me to launch into it absolutely Sweet. Now this comes from the filmmakers themselves. It reads, A tense tale of survival set in a fabled New England forest, Witches in the Woods is a suspenseful chiller about seven college friends whose off-the-grid snowboarding trip takes a turn for the worse when they get lost in the woods after experiencing car trouble. With temperatures falling fast and their nerves on edge, survival instincts take over as the friends turn against each other and a witch hunt begins. Chiller, you say? There was a pun in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, I even corrected uh, one of the words in there. It said, it said, <laughs> turn for the worst, but the term is turn for the worse. Folks, come on. But uh, so the, the mm. film introduces us to seven college age friends. And I use the term friends loosely, right? Like these people, <laughs> they, don't, they don't like each other at all. So, you know, they set off out into the snowy mountains of Western Massachusetts to have an off the grid weekend of snowboarding. We got our main lead, Jill, okay? She, who is your just typical bleeding heart type. I'll be talking about here pretty soon. We've got Allison, who we find right away has got some serious mental issues. There's a pair of brothers, one of which brings along his girlfriend, who's a stranger to the rest of the group, and the other's like just this hothead who needs some anger management. We even got, did you notice, JP, we got Corbin Blue up in this bitch? Corbin Mr. Blue. Yeah, Mr. High School Musical himself. I, I don't know what that is. High oh, School Musical? Well, see, is that the Disney Channel thing? The Disney Channel thing, which I've never seen, but it was like everywhere when I was far too old to watch it. And because of that, I did not watch it. But I figured somebody your age would, would have that reference because you're a little younger than I am. But I am. But I think when that was coming out, I was like, 
you know, worrying about like banging girls and you know <laughs> skateboarding and doing cool stuff. <laughs> well, you're doing life right, my friend. So, <laughs> so Corbin Blue, okay, for for those of you who do know, Disney Channel star for a while had some of those Disney specials back in the day. His character's got a thing for our, our lead girl, Jill. And then we got Jill's boyfriend, Derek, who's our resident douchebag character. So we got a road closure that messes up their route to their cabin. And so the group's like, hey, let's take a shortcut down this unmarked ass road through the wilderness where... <laughs> unmarked ass road. Unmarked. It. It, it says that in quotes, unmarked ass road. That's an official term, Justin. And, <laughs> uh, you know, back centuries ago in these same woods, a dozen women were famously convicted and hanged for witchcraft. So as they're driving in the snow, they not only get lost, they also get stranded. And as tension, listen to this part. I wrote this myself. Check this out. Check this shit out. And as tensions rise and the temperature drops, man, isn't that good? Our yeah. cast of characters begin to turn on one another. So <laughs> that's film setup, folks. Actually, you know what? That I'm disappointed that the filmmakers didn't throw that in their synopsis right? themselves. <laughs> I mean, that it's, it's good, but it's not so good to where you wouldn't think people that were paid to do this would come up with that. <laughs> it's, it's all there. It's out in the open, right? Yes, in, indeed. So we got our likes right now. So JP, what have you got for our first like, sir? I think the strongest aspect of this entire film is the setting. It looks cold. Like they, I, I don't, yeah. I think they filmed it in Canada, if I'm not mistaken, which I assume is cold during, you know, most of the time, <laughs> depending where you go. I have that uh, same assumption. Yeah. I feel like everybody's just in Eglis, you know, it just feels <laughs> like what it's supposed to be like up there. Uh, but you know, th there's a couple of scenes here where it's even snowing. Like whenever the Darren or Derek or whatever confronts the ethnic looking dude yeah. up, up on the hill with the, where they're trying to get the cell phone signal and it's snowing and it's landing on their hat and it's getting nighttime, it's getting darker. I felt that cold, man. I felt like it was just, you know, blistering out there with frost and coldness. And I dig that. I'm a huge fan of winter horror. It's one of my mm -hmm. favorite sort of unorthodox subgenres, you know, it's not like a slasher or something. It's kind of, it's, you know, it's, it's just a setting really. Yeah. And I, I love that stuff. And I think that the film does the cold justice because it really does feel cold. I, I assume that, I mean, this had to have been all real cold and snow, right? I assume it it's not like that fake stuff that you get, but besides that, my other likes are just the setup. I'm a huge fan mm. of isolated horror. I like when a couple of people are stranded somewhere. Survival horror, if you will. I love small groups of characters who turn on each other. Mm. Whether it was done good or not, maybe we could get to that a little bit later. But <laughs> as I noticed it's not in my likes. <laughs> but no, uh, I love that concept. Uh, I love when characters have history together and you see it play out in secrets. That can work too. I like when you have, you know, reveals throughout the film of you know especially high pressure situation you know pressure cooker settings i like that in isolated horror films mm -hmm. and uh that's pretty much it for my likes witches oh it's i like witches but i don't know <laughs> if that really counts <laughs> <laughs> no no indeed right oh one more one more i just thought tell more. it buddy i have a thing with um when bear traps they really bother me in in horror really and there's a yeah it's, i don't know it's just like why is that 
I think that it's because you're just stuck, you know what I mean? Like, and it's, Mm -hmm. you know, you got the bear trap on you. And even if you can move with it, it's like you're severely hobbled at that point. You know, you don't have a good sort of means of transportation, especially when it's cold. You know, you're, you're limping on one leg. So it always, it always works for me. I'm not saying it, it cringes me out or like that, that would be more like eye stuff, but it, it's effective in a horror film for me. Yeah. Not all the time, you know, but it's a little over. It's a little bit of an overdone thing. But in this film, I was cool with it because, you know, there's bears. We see one earlier. We we sure do. Yeah. Wow. JP, I got to say, we have nearly identical likes here. So, you know, just my first like is all about the technical elements of filmmaking we've got here. Like you said, the movie looks good. It sounds good. It's edited smoothly. The camera work is solid. And like you were saying, the snowy winter weather is absolutely beautiful. Some of those drone shots just flying over the hills with the snowy trees. It's fantastic. Even the performances, they're believable. I didn't have any issues. I'm reading some reviews where they're saying, oh, you know, there was some bad acting here i guess i didn't pick up on that if there was some of that me neither it seemed believable to me a lot of indie filmmakers i think would kill to have all these things in place (laughs) and Uh this movie absolutely works in that regard so viewers who might be worried that you're getting yourself into something half cocked and shoddily done you're in good hands as far as aesthetics go at least so that's my first like second like simple one you already said it it's it's all about the survival horror situation in which these characters have found themselves like you know this being a more or less contained film where these people are trapped in the woods you know in that van as the snow begins to fall harder and as the sun begins to set that's a whole ticking time bomb of sorts at play there you know the idea that the longer these people are in this situation the worse it becomes and when you put on top of that like you said the pressure cooker character dynamic you know you add on top of that the danger these certain characters pose to the group it's a neat concept and i did find that engaging and then my next and final like here it's a little complicated and it's actually perfect because it transitions seamlessly into my dislikes. So what I want to highlight here has to do with the big, I guess, underlying theme of the film. So the, the movie opens with a quote from a 16th and 17th century classical scholar named Robert Oxton Bolton, who said, and it says it there in the beginning of the film, belief is not merely an idea that the mind possesses, it's an idea that possesses the mind. Okay, so this is a story about a group of people who are turning on one another over real and possibly imagined sins, right? And we viewers get this front row seat to this play of sorts where characters form these opinions of other characters, and as these ideas begin to take hold, the consequences start to become deadly. So now when you weave into that little character tapestry there, this background information kind of running off and, you know, sort of like a, a background app, you have this thing just sort of sort of off over there where once upon a time ago, women had been executed as witches in these very woods. Well, all you got to do is think back to those historical witch trials to see that we've got something similar at work here with our cast of homies, right? You know, back in the day, Europe and in the American colonies, it was these zealots with their un wavering mindsets who convinced themselves that there were these men and women who were witches doing the devil's work. And because of that hysteria, because of the fact that these people were possessed by their own ideas, they went out and persecuted and killed a lot of innocent people. Like think Agazusa 2019, right? It, it's it's that same shit. So I dig all that. And this is where it starts to transition to my dislike. So I dig all that as a thematic underlayment for the story, you know, a foundation, you know, that we're the story we're seeing here. And I will say that even though it is, you know, what plays out is consistent with the concept of people being possessed by ideas and with how witch hunts play out. JP, I got to admit here that none of it rang true for me like I wanted it to because, and this could be my own hang up. Maybe you didn't feel this at all. I'm curious to know, but I could not get past 
how frustrating and annoying these characters are, dude. Like, and, and this is where I step into dislikes proper. Like, I just didn't like a single one of these characters. And I don't need, you've said this famously on shows before, and I'm right with you on this. I don't need to like characters to engage with a storyline. But gosh, man, this was a bit much for me. Like, there was, you know, the anger management dude in the passenger seat. Like, someone should have told his ass right away that he didn't know a damn thing. Turn their asses around. Then there's Derek who the script kept hammering into our heads that he's just this one-dimensional asshole. No nuance, no nothing, just a total dick. But here's, what's, here's what makes me mad about that, is that there were times where he had a reason to be a dick, and where he actually was right here and there, but you could tell the script wasn't allowing him to have those moments so that we could once again be reminded, this guy's a bad dude. Allison, the, you know, the kind of the, the girl who was going through, you know, a, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of things, you know, with her mental illness, she was just annoying, and I, I wasn't able to sympathize with her despite the bad things that allegedly happened to her. The girlfriend in the back was cute, but meh. Corbin Blue was alright, I guess, and... Cute, but meh, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cute, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, indeed. And the other brother was nice, you know, of the, of, you know, the boyfriend of the girl in the back, but the lead girl, she was my least favorite of all, and here's why. Like, the second she got on that hunter dude in the beginning, Justin, lecturing him about that bear carcass in his truck, mm. I was so hoping that he would put her in her place because he was only out there hunting because of the logging going on that was displacing the local wildlife. And that logging was happening so that there would be cell phone towers up in the mountains, right? He should have just lectured her all like, okay, so you're, you're getting on my ass about this bear carcass here, even though it's not hunting season. Well, your smartphone is made by sweatshop workers in foreign countries, and they're chopping down my forest where I live so that you can have signal out here, so shut your mouth and move along. Like, I'm just, <laughs> I was so hoping he would say that. Yeah, yeah, no. I, I, it would have been nice. Do you, so you agree with that? Okay. Yes. Nice. And she came off so holier than thou. And while the script wants us to buy into that, because I did get the impression, and I, I might be wrong, but I did get the impression the script had her back. I'm just like, you're not holier than thou. You're, you're a cheater. Like, I mean, you're not that great either. Mm -hmm. Like, you're no, you're not that much better or worse than anybody there, except for maybe <laughs> the, the the two guys who allegedly did some stuff on camera, which, you know, that's kind of a spoiler. Nothing big, just a character mm -hmm. dynamic, but that's kind of what I got there. JP, am I off my rocker here? What do you think about these characters? No, dude, you're 100% right. Uh, yes! You know, and it's not just the characters. It's also the entire theme of the of the story it does it, it can work i've seen it work before mm -hmm. it's just that i don't think the writers had a good story with this like I, the, the the all the little pieces that they give each of the characters their little things their little backstories the little that we get with some of them and the little bit more that we get with others none of it's good it's just all been there done that or so you know vaguely touched upon it's just like they threw it in you know it, it doesn't feel like it's crafted and uh i feel like a film like this you have to have that work that whole dynamic of people's backstories and the and the reveals and the betrayals and the cheating and the you know the alleged stuff like it just needs to have more depth to it and it and have a little bit more oomph and i just feel like it felt very basic and cliche there there needed yeah. to be a couple more rewrites um because there there is some stuff here like I, i'll be honest like the opening of the film them deciding to go and you know you know it's in set in you know massachusetts because they bring up the patriots in the first sentence of the movie <laughs> yeah. um but you know it, or tom brady or somebody uh and I, I like where they're going i hated that scene with her and that hunter and the hunter is so cliche too you know just right. this grizzled old dude and you know she's annoying super annoying i hate people that are like 
so judgy without even knowing anything about that man thank like you what what his situation is or like what you know anything is you know or who kn- you know it could have been that he found it dead and didn't want to waste the meat you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> um and so I, I hated that scene and then but besides that i like that they're you know they're driving in this snow and it just it gave me it gave me a little bit of anxiety because you know if you get stuck out there it's you're gonna be screwed oh yeah and um so i was getting a little bit of anxiety with that that whole setup's good i even liked all the way up until it gets dark and there's the the moment of gore that happens yes i loved all that and then i was hoping i had hope that the film was gonna continue to be good or, or be good and it, it really disappointed me in the end with how the characters were and yeah you're right none of them are likable not a single one i mean yeah i mean i give i guess a little bit of props to the dude who was like worried about his brother but even that seemed so generic and he was like you know it was just predictable like of course he's gonna get out of the car mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's yeah. just it's like ah I don't know. I, I would have liked a little bit more clever thinking, a little bit more of the survival aspect in there. Focus on them actually freezing a little bit more. Build yeah. the tension of the gas running out. You know what I mean? Because it's there. You have you set it up. That that tension, that's Hitchcockian stuff right there, where you well focus said. on the gas slowly draining out and knowing that you know death awaits it at the E mark. You know. So I think it just had a lot of problems and could have been better. Man, well said with the Hitchcockian dynamic there. So this plays into my next dislike, and it has to do with the tension in the group. And like you said, there there are a lot of pieces in place here that are fine. But like, I think I love what you said when you when you mentioned that maybe some rewrites or maybe some you know just adding some nuance, injecting some nuance into this situation because a lot of it is predictable and pretty cliche. But dude, l- let me just <laughs> let me just ask you: you got this cast of characters here, these seven people, and we got this tension, some of it's due to some legal allegations. We got mm-hmm. some mental issues issues and PTSD with one character. We've got all this going on. We got some cheating happening. We got this, you know, other person in the back that just nobody likes just for no reason. <laughs> like, what's that all about? You guys are great people. <laughs> with all that bickering, though, would this group of people ever hang out? Like, I couldn't buy this. What do you think? I, I know, I know. And I almost got, like, have you seen Jeepers Creepers 2? Yeah. Okay. All those people on the bus that are bickering and like mad at each other and stuff like that, I got like vibes like that. But the big difference is they were a team and this is a group of friends. Yeah, they have to be there, the other yeah, ones. Yeah, but no, you're right. Like, listen, I, I, I can bicker with my friends as you <laughs> as you're well aware of on 22 shots and Love stuff it. like that. And, you know, I've had people that I necessarily wouldn't look like I would hang out with that I would. But like, yeah, I mean, what? Who likes each other in this group? I honestly have no idea. And furthermore, we have two characters who maybe, maybe not committed a crime against one of the girls, and I'm not seeing anybody either inviting that girl for like fear of, hey, I think this might be brought up, or her wanting to go. If something like that happened to me, like I, I'd be like, you know, I just, I think I'm gonna go do something else with my weekend other than this not only that but if i did that to somebody i wouldn't want to be around them oh no way I mean, <laughs> you know what i mean so exactly <laughs> like i would never ever do anything no. you know but i'm just saying as a criminal you know thinking as along the lines of a criminal like they don't want to be around the people they just robbed you know what i mean right it's it just doesn't make sense it, it doesn't so okay i'm glad we align there 
Now, what do you think about how they handled the, and we'll be vague here, but what do you, th what do you think about how they handled the witches in this movie? And I'll be vague, but you know, JP, when we're first introduced to the fact that witches had once been hanged in these mountain woods, I was ready to see how that information would play out, you know, in the scheme of the character tension going on. And no joke, no kidding, the second that they mentioned why the character of Allison is acting the way she is and sort of the thing that had happened to her. I knew this film wasn't going to be handling witches the way maybe some people would prefer. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so did you hone in on that? Did you like that? Were you was, was there disappointment there? What do you think about how witches were handled here? So I've seen witches handled in interesting ways before. There's a certain movie set in a morgue that I think is a very cool way to handle witches and i think that it's along the lines of something like this okay but this can work I, I think that it's like fine but i just felt like it just came off a little eye rolly because it's just like it's it's too surface level yeah no totally very well said very well yeah it's like also kind of in your face to where if it was called something else which I, apparently this film was called something else at one point and oh, okay. that was just sort of a not what you like you're expecting witches in this film yeah if that was just a, a thing mentioned and then you kind of find out a little bit more later i would have dug that more than what they did i'm right there with you totally yeah are, so are there any other dislikes outstanding dislikes you you want to mention before we move into final thoughts and ratings no, I think that's it, actually. I don't I don't think I have anything else. Cool. Yes. Okay, same here. So I'll go first with final thoughts and ratings here. So, you know, as I said before, folks, that the film looks good. It sounds good. It's well acted. I love when Justin said that there, there are pieces in place and this can work. And to a certain extent, this movie does work. The things to focus on, I think, are the technical and aesthetic merits going on. But when it comes to story, this is where it tanked for me. There isn't enough nuance in here injected. We, we've seen movies like this 10, 15, 20 years ago. I like this scenario. I love survival horror. The premise is fantastic, but we're in 2020. Let's get that nuance going. Let's. There was a scene where <laughs> a character who should not have been behind the wheel was behind the wheel and nearly hit somebody. Now, this... This character who almost got hit is the film's jerk. And this this movie, this script wants you to know you don't like this guy. I don't like this guy. There's no nuance to him. But he was right in going like, what the hell is going on? And the re I did, couldn't understand how people weren't, even though we know certain things about this character, this dramatic irony where we know things the characters don't. So there are a, a lot of characters there who should have been a little more alarmed. Like, you almost died. Oh, I guess we don't care because the script says this guy sucks. But we have the one girl, you know, she's, you know, this love triangle angle going on because this guy's a jerk and, and maybe more of a jerk than we know. Maybe not. Who knows? And I'm just sitting here going like, wow, you you guys really, you know, this script, you really, you really want me to buy this manufactured situation. And I, I'm just not buying it. But there's a lot here that is good, but more that isn't. So, like I said, I you add that I just wasn't invested in anybody in this movie and what we've got here something painfully average at best and just flat out frustrating at worst so i'm gonna go with a four out of ten what about you jp okay so um i agree with everything you said i think that it's looks nice it feels nice because it does, this movie does have a feeling and not a lot of movies are able to do that all the time you know to make you actually feel something 
and the atmosphere is there, the cold. I, could, I was feeling it while watching it. I like that. I think that while watching the movie, I was into it. And that's the one thing I'm struggling with. I was into it, but I was annoyed at where it was going. And I was hoping that it would go somewhere else or like save itself in some way. Mm-hmm. And it just never happened. But I was into it. And that's that's the one thing that, that is saving it for me with the atmosphere and things like that. Is I was just into the movie. And I, I kind of don't think it's a horrible waste of time Mm -hmm. i just think you're going to be disappointed with it but if i had just randomly thrown this on i wouldn't be mad that i watched it sure you know so i think that for that i'm gonna actually come up slightly above average which is different than probably what you expected but honestly i'll give it a 5.5 nice very good very good well shoot everyone that wraps up our coverage of witches in the woods 2020 JP, thank you so much for doing this review with me, man. Like, I, I hope we'll collab again soon. I, th- well, I thought it was super neat that we, we did this. We got together and, and, and smacked that shit out of the park. Do you want to give your plugs before we head out? Yeah. And you know what? I, I invited myself onto this because one, I never get to work with you and that sucks. You know Indeed, what I mean? Yeah. And two, I know that you do this thing. I, I know why Dave likes you so much and that's because you, well, you're okay but i'm saying like besides <laughs> that no he likes that you you know he just has to show up with you and and be dave z and sometimes i just want to show up and be me and let somebody else do all the work and i've been doing a lot of that trivia stuff as you know right now yes. that's been a little bit of work so oh yeah definitely plug that well thank you jay J- before you <laughs> mention your plugs thank you very much that does mean a lot to me and you know you you were the podcaster the person who showed Jason Lloyd that folks, I mean, if you're listening to this, you better know who the hell Jason Lloyd is, but you're the one who showed him my first episode of, of Horror Corridor back when I used to do that show. You got me in the door, man. And I, I never forgot that. So it's, it's cool to actually do something just the two of us, you know, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's heck cool. yeah. yeah. And I'm sure we'll do some more stuff too. Oh yeah. I, I, I'm definitely interested in, you know, doing some more stuff with you. Uh, I've always thought you were such a good podcaster and, and one of the best. So yeah. Thank you. Likewise. Yeah. And, you know, plugs wise, uh, 22 Shots is about to drop their Omen episode. So it's a franchise review of uh, all the Omen films. We have guests Mike Merriman as well as Carly on that episode. And then just, you know, to give this a little bit extra love, last week we posted our top 10 of 1985. Total Blast. Which was a huge show. And it was it was a total blast. And it gets super funny at the end with moods. Um, <laughs> Did you hear him kind of like, uh, I think he thought he was on mute. And he's, he's like, I could think he was telling his wife that he, he loves her. He's just like, uh, okay, I love you. Okay. <laughs> no, I didn't hear oh. that. I didn't hear that. But I heard you mention that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, love yeah, that show. And on Patreon, we actually posted the extended list of our 11s to 25 25 down to 11 so that's kind of interesting too now trivia is something that me and b were working on where it's a competition between a bunch of different horophilia and podcast hosts where it's a single elimination tournament we posted the first episode which was lacy and carly as well as i don't even remember who was on the first episode i think it was brandon young and donna nelly Brandon Young and Don Anelli. And then the second episode just posted, which was Mike Merriman versus Neil, as well as who was the second? Oh, shoot. I I listened to that today. Uh, It was um, (laughs) freaking I was in the shower this morning. So y'all get that visual. Uh, Gosh, I I can't remember. Maybe I didn't. I don't think I got to the second part yet. So I don't know who is on that one. It's 
it's killing me right now. You ever stuff like this bothers the heck out of me that I can't remember. But either I think it was was it Gary and Derek? No, I haven't heard that. I mean, it could be, but I don't think it was. Okay, that's the next one then. Anyway, sorry I forgot who who the second matchup is, but the next episode will be your episode, I believe. Oh so yeah, me will... versus Scott Crawford of yes. of the Friday Nightmares podcast. That was that was a lot of fun. Oh, actually, you know what? That's not next episode. That's the last episode. Save oh, okay. the best for last. Hey, um, hey, the last of the first round, and then we'll do a second round. But yeah, so uh, that's that's kind of what I got going on. Um, oh wow, I forgot. Carly should be mad at me if I forgot this, but his and hers movie podcast will be posting. We summon the darkness. By the time you hear this, it'll be out. And then after that, we're doing. I think we're gonna do cursed films for Netflix and chill, which is the new Shutter thing. So sweet. That's all my stuff. What do you got, buddy? I have got. You know, I'm new on the horror cast, and we've been doing a lot of Hammer horror coverage, and we're finally dipping our toes into the whole modern Hammer horror. So tomorrow, I record with them. Tomorrow, as of this recording, this is a Monday night, and uh, well, Tuesday morning for you. And we'll be covering, let's see, I believe it's the, it's Wakewood and the woman in black. And so that, that's going to be fantastic. And then, so we've been doing that with the horror cast. It's really cool being on an ensemble show because I sort of just get to show up and, and just be me because <laughs> I don't got to edit. I don't got to do anything. <laughs> right? Isn't it? Not, doesn't it just feel so dude, good sometimes? <laughs> it, it really does. And I get to, I get to be the, the guy who makes people laugh and they already got their super smart guy. So I can just, well, they don't cuss on that show. So, you know, I, I can't say gross stuff, but I can just, you know, I can hint at stuff and be the dork i've also watsy party horror show the watsy party horror show with the legendary dave z we just dropped our 12th episode end of season one of watsy so happy about that we covered the girl next door 2007 folks don't miss that i i have not gotten that deep into a review in a while uh since last watsy no <laughs> and then uh, and then after that uh there's a french episode of horror corridor uh that is is in the wings my son is itching to get me to get on that but we're not quarantined so i don't have any extra time but anyway lots of projects in the works folks and i'm super stoked to be podcasting with you justin and this is the bloody bits vod special for springtime starting that spring right and i guess this is where we say back to you jason all right thank you guys for that review good or bad i have no idea but apparently they had a lot to talk about coming in at a whopping 30 minutes. So <laughs> thank you guys for that. I'm sure it was a pretty awesome review. And now moving on to the next review. It is Mr. Donanelli. He uh, normally goes solo when he does this. And he once again went solo. And he is reviewing a film called Abominable. This is one I really wanted to see, but I haven't got a chance to watch it yet. But I'll probably be checking it out. Even if Don trashes it, which... Uh, Kind of have a feeling he'll probably like it. I don't know. We'll see, though. All right, take it away, Don. Hello, Bloody Bits listeners. I'm Don and Ellie here. And tonight, for uh, my choice on uh, this program, we're going to be looking at the recently released Abominable. So, let's dive in. A research team embarks on a journey to obtain a plant that can advance medical research by centuries. While stumbling upon clues of a previous expedition, they discover that a yeti lurks within the Himalayan mountains and will do anything to protect its terrain. Now, first of all, uh, let's get this out of the way. Uh, This is in no relation to several other uh, 
Bigfoot, Sas- Yeti, Sasquatch uh, creature feature films that have come out um, over the past few months. Um, this is not the uh, animated family-friendly film from Disney or Pixar or one of those other studios. And this is also not the same horror film from 2005 or six. I can never remember. Uh, featuring uh, Bigfoot attacking a group of people at a uh, cabin out in the middle of the woods, sort of a uh, rear window type of a thing there. Um, That's neither here nor there. Uh, This is a different film, um, credited under Jamal Burden for some reason, but um, it's actually Jordan Price, or Justin Price, I should say, uh, director of uh, the infamous The Elf, for those of you wondering. Okay, so uh, right off the bat, um, again, I just want to say this about the film. Practical creature feature. Um, I cannot say enough good things about putting a practical creature on screen, um, including practical gore, um, all of which are done by uh, the illustrious Joe Castro of uh, Terror Tunes and uh, hundreds and hundreds of other films. Um... Basically, the film is incredibly quick-paced. It's um, an hour and ten minutes with change, um, including credits. So uh, you start right in, um, cold opening, and then, bam, the team arrives at the wilderness, at the uh, camp out in the middle of the Himalayas. Um, basically, by ten minutes in, you get exactly everything laid out. You know who the team members are, you know who what their mission is, you know who you know what their purpose is about and it just it zips along you get encounter after encounter after encounter again practical gore all the way through so the film is really kind of like full throttle there's like no real downspurts there's no um boring spots um that does kind of make the film feel uh, sort of um missing a bit because you know like most of these kinds of films you don't get the gathering of the team you don't get the travel to the destination you don't get you know character building in that sense so it kind of feels like you're like they took out um half of the first act essentially um which would probably explain why it's only an hour and 10 minutes instead of you know an hour and 25 hour and a half you know where you get those kinds of sequences built into it so um, it kind of tends to feel a little disjointed in that sense. Uh, the other thing is, um, I'm not entirely big on the finale here. It's kind of cliche and incredibly overused. Um, you'll figure it out within five minutes where it's going, and it doesn't. It doesn't do anything differently with introducing a character trope that basically turns the entire thing into um you know a fool's mission where saying too much actually going beyond that is going to spoil this so uh yeah it kind of feels a little like choppy in the first half where you don't get any kind of sequence building the team up to what they're doing where they're going you just you're dropped into it and then they explain it there so it kind of shortcuts around all that. So the first half is a little kind of choppy and feels a little off. And then the finale just kind of goes in a direction that you've seen hundreds of times before. So if those are kind of detrimental issues, um, I don't know if this will be a f- 
you know, film for you. I mean, this is in no way, shape, or form a top 10 of the year. Um, you know, if you were doing a top 10 creature feature, um, considering there's not been too many of this could be a potential choice. But for the most part, you're not going to be getting too, you're not getting too much quality. You know, it's not a, you know, top of the year film. You know, this is a going to be a solid five, maybe a six, six and a half at best, which is uh, sort of where I have it. Um, you know, it's a film that's going to pat out your list and, you know, say, well, I've seen, you know, such and such films and I have such and such number of films from uh, 2020. So, um, uh, you know, again, if you're into the practical stuff, um, the creature looks phenomenal. I mean, it's Joe Castro. Uh, the gore is great. There's tons of um, limb ripping and people getting pulled apart and clawed up and scratched. And um, yeah, the gore looks great. The creature looks great. Uh, the action is serviceable. It's a fairly quick once it gets going. So uh, anything other than that is going to uh, spoil this one heavily. So let's just uh, leave it at that. So, uh, okay, um, basically, uh, you can find me on the internet. I'm not really on a main show right now. I'm just jumping around doing guest spots, uh, here and there on other horophilia and other related shows. Um, uh, guess I'll, uh, see you guys next time. All right. Thank you, Donnie Rings. Make sure you check out Don Anelli and his many, many, uh, guest podcasting, uh, duties uh, on the Horror Philly Network and, of course, on the Horror Mafia podcast. Uh, I will be checking out a bomb roll sometime soon. All right, now moving on to the next review. It is Nudie and Suzanne from the No Fucking Way Movie Commentary Podcast. And once again, they're going to do a double review. Each each one of them uh, picked... Oh, actually, you know what? I did forget to mention this, too. No one actually picked these films this time. I actually assigned it to them. Uh, I don't know how I did it. I just randomly did it here, but I did pick one ghost-related film because Suzanne tends to like those, and I picked one non-ghost film, which uh, Nudie likes those. So they are going to be reviewing a duo of films called Penance Lane and Inner Ghosts. And let's see if I gave them something good or shitty. <laughs> Take it away. And, and Nudie here, and we're back for another Bloody Bits Reviews. What's up, Suzanne? Oh, just enjoying spending all my time at home. How about you? Same, same. It's been over a month now, and (laughs) I've told myself I would spend the whole time watching movies and stuff, but I haven't. (laughs) I don't know how I'm making my days go by, but they are. (laughs) Oh, I've had days I have to. I've had days where I've had to turn the television off because that's all I do is stare at the fucking television. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of TV shows and. And just like a lot of YouTube stuff, and you get stuck in that YouTube trap, and so yeah, uh, I've watched a few movies, but not too many to make a dent in 2020. That's for sure. Yeah, I know. I fell into the YouTube hole and ended up coming out how to talk to giraffes. I'm like, okay, cool. This will come in handy. <laughs> so uh, by the time we get these reviews released, these movies should be out on VOD. I think so. I know mine. Mine should be out by then, but uh, I'm not sure on the release date of yours. But we're gonna do two movies today that Jason gave us: Inner Ghost from 2018 and actually released on 2020, and uh, Penance Lane 
which is a 2020 film. So we'll start with your film first. So go ahead. All right. The cheap synopsis is a woman who gave up her life as a medium receives a gift from the afterlife, a device that can perform wonderful things at a price. Dun, dun, dun. And this is actually available on Prime Video as we speak for $2.99. Okay, this is not a terrible little ghost movie. It's I'll, it's a slow burner. If you dig slow burners, you might like this. The, the There's some decent creature effects. There's some really bad CGI effects. But basically, this woman is... She's some kind of brain doctor on top of being a medium, and she gets this grant. So she begins these experiments, and then she meets uh, an artist who's being tortured by these demons. So they get this blueprint, trying not to give away, as, I'm trying to give away as little as I possibly can, but this is just like some of the bare bones and they get blueprints to create this machine. So, all in all, just trying to keep it short, sweet, and to the point. The first hour is going to drag. I'm going to tell you right now. There's some important things. There's some not-so-important things. The last 30 minutes really do kind of ramp up, though. You find out a little bit more about the machine, the capabilities, and I, I kind of dug the creature effects. Thought they are pretty cool. It's it's not a scary movie. They really desperately tried to throw the jump scare in, and hell, my dog didn't even jump. And you know, she's pretty. She gets kind of sketchy when it comes to watching stuff like this. She gets she'll she'll start jumping, but she didn't jump. I didn't jump. Didn't really care for the ending. It's I can't say anything about the ending. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I just I can't. I really. <laughs> I, I just really, really didn't like the ending. I can't say I dislike the movie. I just, the, certain things worked, certain things didn't, did it? It was it just, it, it was there. It's not, if you like a slow burner with some questionable CGI, some okay creatures, um, a scene that you shouldn't watch if you have epilepsy. You'll immediately oh God, go into right a seizure. So I figure, yeah, warning, epilepsy. I don't even have epilepsy, and that was bugging me. Oh, I know. It was it was awful, and it just it went on for what four or five minutes. Yeah, I actually hit the thirty second jump a couple times just to try to get past that because it was it was it was starting to bug me. Yeah, I was getting like little floaters in front of my eyes after that. <laughs> But like I said, it's just not a terrible movie. If you want a slow burn ghost movie with uh, some questionable stuff, interesting creatures, and uh, a really terrible ending, check it out. And this, as we said, is available on video on demand. It's on Prime. Have at it. Yeah, I, uh, I watched my movie first, and then I watched yours, and... I could not get into this movie. It was so slow and drawn out and I had no fucking idea what the hell they were talking about, what was going on. And it was just so, it was just like so dead to me. I, I just didn't want to watch it. I started it, turned it off in 25 minutes and I went back to it 
and then I finished it the second time. Um, like she says, there's it picks up at the end, so it's not a total waste. But if you can get through the first hour, then be my guest. But it, it's the first hour really drags, and I just didn't feel anything for the characters. I didn't care. Uh, again, it's a uncorked entertainment movie or really or distribute distribution and it's another one of them british films and i have a hard time sometimes watching the british films i don't i can't get the accent sometimes this one it wasn't too too accent heavy but i just i didn't care for this movie too much at all i uh the creatures were fine but to me this type of movie with ghosts and and demons they, they all look the same the creatures all the time they they were kind of a cross between the creatures and um, uh, fuck the cave movie there. Oh, uh, Descent. Yeah, they were kind of like Descent looking. Yeah, they were creatures, and they all kind of look like a, a semi devil type demon type thing all the time in these movies. You know, even um, the there was some decent guard or some bad CGI too, but uh, the ending was very confusing, and I'm sure. Some of you film purists out there might attempt to tell me what the hell the ending was because I don't know. <laughs> uh, oh, I got the ending. I just didn't like it. <laughs> I don't know. Kind of was stupid to me. Uh, out of out of ten, I'm gonna give this a, a four. Just be. I mean, it's not all bad. It's just not my cup of tea, and I probably will never, ever, ever watch this again. So. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a four out of ten, but it's not not I don't recommend it. It's not a high recommend four out of ten, that's for sure. I'm gonna give it a five. It's it's not terrible. I've seen better. I've seen a lot worse. But it it also it the other thing it, that I forgot to say it just has that it kind of it's certain parts that it just was like rewatching Insidious. Yeah, I was getting that insidious vibe just the way that they framed a lot of the shots. So, so yeah, it was. There are good parts, there are bad parts. Uh, it's one of those. Depending on your taste, you'll either you'll like it or you won't, or you'll think it's middle of the road, like I did. Yep, it's funny too. It, it was filmed in Portugal or whatever, and there's like all British actors in it. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know why that is, but. All right, so we'll move on from that. A four and a five. We're going to move on to my movie, which was Penance Lane from 2020. It'll, it's actually released on VOD today. On, it is April 21st, so you can check that out. It stars Scout Taylor Compton, Tyler Maine. It also has Daniel Roebuck. So I had a minute for a minute there. I thought, And uh, Diamond Dallas Page. So a minute there, I thought I was watching a Rob Zombie movie because of all these actors that have been in Rob Zombie films. But no, 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 no Rob Zombie movie. And that's why it was probably pretty good. <laughs> the brief synopsis. A hardened criminal fresh out of the joint takes a job as a handyman in a dilapidated house. But the twisted horrors he finds inside are enough to send anyone running. Why does he stay? And why are so many people drawn to Penance Lane? This movie also stars John Schneider from uh, the Dukes of Hazards, And it has um, Booker T, a wrestler in it. So there's a few few name stars in it. And um, Tyler Maine is the uh, prison dude. So this movie, I really enjoyed it. It was... 
it took a twist towards the end that I didn't see coming or I didn't expect it to go the route that it went into. Actually, it was about you know, halfway through the movie, the twist. The twist came in. Um, but Tyler Maine and Scout work well together, but I don't know about you, but her playing a kid all the time is getting kind of old because she's a like, fucking grown woman now. Yeah, she's I like know. The, she's like Kyle Garner trying to play a 16-year-old. I mean, Tyler Maine kept calling her kid throughout the movie, and I just laughed. Like, she's not a kid, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I uh, I enjoyed this one quite a bit. I thought the, the premise was pretty decent. The, the gore in it was good. Basically, it start it starts out with a gang of thieves are, in, are they had just stolen money from a bank or somewhere, I guess, and uh, they broke into this dilapidated house and they're gonna hide the money there till it till it the heat went off them and uh, all of a sudden the people in the gang start getting killed off by unseen unseen forces. So it made me think that there was. Like a ghost in the house, or, or or a creature, or a killer, like Michael Myers, or some type of thing in the house. And as it goes on, you see that it's it's not that. But again, I'm not gonna. We're not gonna give away the plot or the or the spoiler part of it. So you guys can all watch this movie. But let's just say it, it, it ramps up as it goes, and it takes a big twist. Like I was like, wow, really? This is where they went. But it works. I mean, it, it works in it works out in the end, and. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I don't know. Like uh, I think they all did a pretty good job. John Schneider is just hamming it up throughout the whole movie, which is kind of funny. But uh, you know, Daniel Roebuck too. And uh, yeah, the, the, the chemistry was there. The, the the it was it was well shot, and it looks like they had a pretty decent budget. I read somewhere that it was crowdsourced or crowdfunded, so that's pretty good. But yeah, um, I enjoyed this movie. What'd you think? I have to admit, I enjoyed the hell out of this one. It's for me, it was a fun, gory adventure movie. I have to admit, I thought the same thing. I thought we were dealing with a creature in the basement, and I was wrong. And then I was like, oh, maybe it's kind of a hills have eyes thing. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But it just, it keeps your attention the whole time. It doesn't really drag in any way at all. There was a a certain fight scene that I think went on just a touch too long. Because it just started getting a little boring. And there was a little too much CGI blood in said fight scene. So, like, if you're going to spit out a mouthful of blood, let me see it on the floor someplace. Because it was just... Mouthful of blood spit out, and it just kind of vanished into the ether. That was that's not like my one of my only criticisms, <laughs> but it's just it's a hell of a lot of fun, and I just I love seeing the wrestlers hamming it up, and I always like Daniel Roebuck. He's always going to be the kid who killed his girlfriend in River's Edge to me. Yep, yep, great movie. I love that movie. <laughs> But yeah, and he was, oh, you could tell he was overacting damn near every scene where he had to be kind of a badass. It was so hilarious to watch. Yeah, he was just having this fun. One, oh, yeah. And everyone was having fun. And John Schneider just, once again, as you said, just hamming it up for the camera. Taylor Maine played it pretty damn straight, though, which was yeah. really good. And I yeah. always loved Diamond Dallas Page. Yeah, he is, you know, small cameo by him and Booker T, but, you know, they were in it enough that 
you know, they had a couple scenes each, so it was good. Yeah, I agree. Um, out of ten, I'm probably going to give this one a seven and a half. I think it's worth rewatchability there for sure. It's not something that's mind-blowingly great or anything like that, but it is something that I'll probably watch again down the line. And I don't know if they'll come back with some sort of another movie with the Tyler main character, but I mean, I wouldn't mind watching another one if they had something, something going on. I don't know, maybe <laughs> Return to the Town or something. I don't know. But yeah, I give this one probably a seven and a half out of ten. It was good. Yeah, I once again, it was just it's fun. It's just a fun splat filled movie, and it's just great seeing this cast of characters hamming it up. I really, really enjoyed the shit out of this one. So I'm pretty much gonna stick with you on this. I'm just gonna give it the seven and a half. Hopefully, we'll be able to do this on NFW at some point because I think everybody would dig it. Except TJ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he'll hate it. He hates everything. Uh, all right, cool. Yeah, so um, I hope you like our style of review and like where we try not to give away the movie so you guys can enjoy it, but try to give you enough info so that you can decide if you want to watch it or not. I think, I just, I don't know, like we could spoil everything and then what's the point of watching the movie, right? Exactly. <laughs> all right, so uh, yeah, once again, it was a meh eh, for... Uh, inner demon and we all we both like penance lane so hopefully you can check these films out and if you do like them let us know and uh, let us know what you thought of our review anyway we're both on the nfw podcast and a bunch of other stuff so listen to us suzanne does cinema beef with gary and and jamie sammons and we're all out there on the audio podcasting waves so all right thanks for listening and uh Till we do this again. Peace out. Happy quarantine. Thank you, guy and gal, for that review. Make sure you check them out on the No Fucking Way Movie Commentary Podcast, only at horrorphilia.com. All right, now moving on to the next review. It is another solo review here. We got uh, Glenn BDG Reviews uh, from the Bay of Blood Podcast. He did a solo review for a film with the most interesting title of the bunch, in my opinion. It is called Fuck You Immortality. All right, take it away, Glenn. Hey, everyone. BDG Reviews here for the Bay of Blood podcast. Uh, we're just covering a movie called... Um, it, it's kind of it's kind of odd because uh, the title we were sent was called Fuck You Immortality. But the title that comes up when you start watching the movie is Can't Kill This. So that's kind of weird. But, you know, so I don't really know what this movie's called basic premise of this movie is it follows these two old hippies and uh they knew someone back in like the 60s or 70s or whatever and he essentially disappeared from their life and uh they've been kind of looking for him but what's interesting is there's pictures of this guy from many different times and he still looks the same so this dude is essentially just kind of immortal it, it seems you know so they're they there's it's essentially a mockumentary of them trying to find this guy and then when they eventually do of him trying to get rid of his immortality and it's an interesting watch really um the the acting all around is v- quite solid honestly there's no um no hokey acting or anything no, well, let's put it this way. There's no hokey acting that's supposed to be... That's not supposed to be hokey. 
there's some pretty decent gore. I mean, what exists... There's some that's so obviously CG, and it doesn't look super great, but it's forgivable when you consider what, what, what it is you're working with. Uh, you got some nice throwbacks to some, like, older horror movies. Like, you have the whole thing where they're trying to kill the guy. And it's like, it brings up these different things. There's, like, the Predator. There's, like, uh, Jason Voorhees and everything. And it's just, they're trying all these different ways to kill him. It's kind of interesting. Uh, all in all, it's a really solid film. Uh, I give it a complete, like, 9 out of 10. It's, it's really good. It's a horror comedy. And it just kind of works. Um, it's available on VOD if you want to check it out. I mean, I would definitely suggest it. It's uh, it's a fun one. But yeah, that's it for me. All right, thank you, sir, for that short and sweet review. And make sure you check out Glenn on the Bay of Blood podcast, one of the newest podcasts to the Horrorphilia Network. So make sure you check out all of his uh, awesome stuff. And now it's time to move on to another duo. And we have Tom and Joe from the DWNs, the Horror Crap Podcast. And I usually assign them a horror anthology. And once again, that's what they end up getting. I think it's pretty much one of the only horror anthologies released so far here. And it is a film with a long-ass title called A Night of Horror, colon, Nightmare Radio. And let's see what they think about it. Take it away. All right, it's recording. Joe, why don't you introduce whatever this is? Uh, hold on, let me find the name of the movie because I think I forgot it. Hey, uh, this movie has like two names. Yeah, Nightmare Radio and what? <laughs> hold on, let me look that up real quick. Let me ask you this, Joe, before you say the name. Is it really going to matter what this movie's called? It does not. <laughs> Uh oh. Because Jason specifically said he wanted this to be all good movies. So he's picking out all good movies for everyone to watch. It's a good thing of him to do this during this turbulent time when we need quality entertainments to lift our spirits. But hey, everybody, welcome to Bloody Bits! And uh, I am Joe, and this is Tom from the DWN. Fucking introduce the show, Tom. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Bloody Bits. First quarter, maybe second quarter. Spooktacular. <laughs> <laughs> On this segment, we have a movie with not one, but two names. <laughs> and not one story, but eight. Uh, yep, that that's our gimmick. We're still doing the uh, riding that old anthology train. Yes, and like I said, most of them have uh, multiple stories. This one has multiple titles. It's called A Night of Horror, Nightmare Radio. Which we got a Dropbox link for, and I downloaded it. And then the next day, Joe tried to watch it, and the link didn't work. So I'm guessing the people who made this movie said, "Oh my God, they someone down. We can't, we got to take this down. 
little do they know there's like three versions of it up on YouTube. So if you're listening to this right now, uh, just fuck it. Go on YouTube and don't watch this. Watch DWN Productions Cheese Balls, which is also an anthology making fun of horror anthologies. But, uh, hey, we could probably recommend that again at the end. Joe, why don't you, why don't you set up this movie with, uh, starring AZ Chris Hemsworth? Yeah, this is a bootleg Chris Hemsworth in this, and, uh, our wraparound, which we don't get to until after the first story, our wraparound is this guy is a DJ. Well, so well hold up now. What's the first story then? The first story is what I like to call Sue Storm has baby Franklin and then <laughs> gets burned or something. This is a green screen spectacular if you like <laughs> shit like Roll that tongue, boy. Of the Invisible Man or stuff like that. Yeah, this utilizes that same technology. So, uh, yeah, that this story was just kind of pointless. You so know, from like there, the beginning of a Blumhouse movie where you're like in that creepy room and then it just shows like a bunch of generic horror shit and then you see the little girl in the corner who doesn't even turn around or jump out at you. And then the Blumhouse logo is kind of like a shadow on the wall. Yeah. That's what this this first part felt like. Like this was just the opening to their company's logo or whatever. Like it was going to say like horrific films get scurred. But no, this was actually a story. I don't think this worked, guys. I always have something to set up that, okay, the movie's starting now. (laughs) So then we go to the setup, and as I was saying, he's a DJ. This guy's a DJ at, I guess, just a call-in show, middle of the night, nobody's listening, whatever. So he's just telling these stories, these these nightmare radio stories on this night. Really shitty George Nori. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that's it. People are either calling in, telling stories, or he's telling the story, or it just cuts to the story. Um, shit, what was the next story? This so next- is the story I like to call the little girl with the pennies on her eyes. I call it the not-so-dead girl. <laughs> um... Yeah, this is just a real basic one about uh, it's set in old-timey times where they would take death photos of people, and that's what this lady and her daughter do is they go out there and take death photos. But the spirit of the little girl that they are taking a picture of is not quite resting. Uh Uh-oh. In peace. This story tried. I think what I told you is, yeah, this this was my favorite one. Mm-hmm. These anthologies usually put the best one first. So from there, we go to one I like to call. Okay, hold on, can I stop you quick? Stop me, quick. I thought this one was very predictable, just like the rest of the movie from what yes. I saw. Yes, just like what all What did you of them. think? All of the stories are very predictable. 
can I, I forgot to also mention one thing. So horror anthologies, for the most part, I'd say work about three ways. The first one, it's made by one team, and they have all their stories written. This is the stories we're going to use for the movie we're making. Let's go. Then there's another one where a group of people get together and say, all right, we're going to make an anthology. All you guys go out and make your own movies, and we're going to fucking bring them all together in the end, and then we'll have our movie. And then the third one, which is this one, where some guy's like, hey, I want to make fucking money. Let's go grab a bunch of short films and uh, put them together and make a movie. And that's what this one did. We'll get to we'll get to it when we get to it. But one of these happens to be featured in two of these horror anthologies that are just slapped together from a bunch of short films thrown out there. And like Tom mentioned, the first one, the first method of doing this is usually those are quality. <laughs> and they they have something in mind, you know, some of the best uh, anthology films out there. It's one team doing it. And you're not flooded with like eight little films, you know, you got four, maybe five. And, I don't uh, know if quality is the word, but we'll say those are the better ones. Yeah, and and with doing like this one with eight different stories, it really tries your patience, especially when they're all bad for the most part. Now, Tom saying that this one was his favorite one or the best one in there, that doesn't mean it was good. At all. No, it doesn't. <laughs> uh, it just means it, it it was better than the rest, which doesn't. Very say, predictable. It was much better than the second story, or third, I guess. Since they uh, hold on, can I fun. do one thing? Yeah, do one thing. Okay, another thing. This isn't uh, my show or your show. Fuck it. You know, it's bloody business. <laughs> so I'll give this this second story credit. You know, she's looking through the cameras like, oh, my God, she's not in the chair anymore. So they, like, pan the camera around, and you're looking through the camera lens. I was just like, oh, my God, is it just going to pop up and get you? You know, like the cliche of it just popping up and get you. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't. Yeah. It just kind of the end, it shows her, and it's just like, oh, that was anticlimactic. At least it didn't try and scare you <laughs> Do the cliche shit. But it did fall to the cliche that, like, a lot of these ghosts, girls, or whatever, are contortionists. You know, she's all leaning backwards for no fucking reason. I thought you were going to go with it was the cliche of the horror anthology that it sucked. (laughs) That's, oh, yeah, that too. Oh, there's that too, yeah. (laughs) Because it's not scary. It's not like it jumps out at you from nowhere. It's just like you kind of see it and then they focus into it. It's like, what, are you stupid? Yeah, nothing, nothing good. Uh, finally, this second or third story, whichever number in your, is one I like to call hairstylists never shut the fuck up. <laughs> okay, before the fucking reveal even happened, I was just, what is this, fruit barber? Yep. Yeah, it's one of these things where it's a, like a big soliloquy. This guy's just, you know, talking Rambling shit. on. And then you get a, a kill at the end, which is just, it's very incredibly predictable. 
and very shittily done. You know, head wounds, Tom, head wounds bleed a lot, right? (laughs) Like a lot. Well, I don't know if this was a head wound. I don't know what it was. Hannibal. it, It looked good. We can say, like, I would say for the most part, all the effects in here looked fine. Good. They looked good. Like, the movie itself looked good. Everything looked competently made for the most part. Like, they knew how to make stuff. They just, you know, didn't know how to direct. Obviously, the scripts Mm -hmm. were whatever. Yeah. But it, it looked good when they popped. It was simple. It was simple shit. But when they popped that wig off the prosthetic, it was like, oh, all right. That looks good. You know, not much is happening, but that looked good. Yeah, but it's like not like something you care about anyway. No. The next story. Wait, you, you got to say. So this crazy man has a lady tied up in a chair and he's like why aren't you sharing your gifts you little slut share it with the world look at what you got oh he's a crazy barber and he just wants her hair so he fucking scalps her he sells natural wigs yeah yeah now you just gotta kind of say what these are about, you know. Okay, well, I'm gonna let you do this next one. I'm, you know what I'm gonna do? Like to call is, cut a bloke. Okay, well, I'm I'm gonna do that, but I'm gonna let you know that I'm gonna send this fucking review to Mr. Renee and say, "Hey, send this to your fucking producer <laughs> and let him know." <laughs> yeah, we don't give a shit. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't remember this one. I do. At this yeah. point, I was getting very tired with this fucking so-called movie. That so it Jason had to be Australian or something, right? It had to be something British or Australian for me to. It was. Uh, it was from Australia or New Zealand, definitely. Not sure which one, but this is a movie obviously made by a pedophile synthesizer. <laughs> Fucking a guy who fucks children, but unfortunately makes good music on a synthesizer. (laughs) A pedophile sympathize. That is what I meant to say. Because this whole point of this movie is uh, a guy's tried and found guilty for molesting and killing a high schooler. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. So uh, he elects to do... A new form of punishment where the family, I guess, gets to choose your punishment, but you're not put to death. So the family chooses, like, throughout a few months to cut each of his limbs off and ending with his dick. And then, like, his nose and his lips at the end. And uh, you're supposed to feel sorry for him because you don't know all this. And Look, he's so sad. And how are they doing this to him? Why? And then the twist at the end. Oh, his rehabilitation is working every week. He go, we go and take him to a high school and he doesn't pop boners. The end. Oh, this shit is such fucking garbage. Yeah, it seemed like they wanted to uh, 
I don't know. They were trying to tell a story, but it's one that nobody gives a fuck about. It was just no. The dude fucks kids. Right? Yeah, he's a pedophile. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're trying to be make it seem like, oh my god, but it's like, what the fuck? Right? Like it's one of these, like, well, who's the victim here? The kid was the fucking victim. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one I like to call Naked Elf on a Shelf. Can I ask you this one? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes sense, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, we recorded a podcast before this, and now we've been doing a little drinking. Just a little bit. Is this the one that's in Spanish? Yeah. Okay, Jason sent a note and said, hey, one of these are in Spanish. And then I forgot until this popped up. And at this point, I was just like, fuck it. If you're not going to try, I'm not going to try. And I hit fast forward. Yeah, so there's, Joe, there's no the subtitles f- in this. And it's just about like a ballet dancer that's going crazy, you know, seeing like some ghost creature in the house. And, you know, she ends up killing her boyfriend because she thinks it's the ghost at the end. Very fucking bland. Very shitty. And this is what the first of three times the same stories told in this movie. We'll get to that. <laughs> we will get to that. We're getting to that immediately with the next story, which I like to call Captain Spaulding Returns. <laughs> you got to kill all the Mexicans at the walls. If they come over, they're not paying taxes. You got to get them. So, like Tom said, this this. They do that one story t- two more times in this, and this is it. This is the same fucking story. Somebody's seeing, like, a weird ghost in the house, and it's driving them crazy, and they're going crazy, and then at the end, they're crazy. Yeah. Same this story. Is the one with uh, Pancake the Clown? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to be honest with you, Joe. I thought this one was... Still part of the same story that was in Spanish. <laughs> yeah. So I was still on fast forward. And I could see that because it is the same story. Uh, but well, the she next just one... like what I got is, hey, look at those balloons. Oh, I got into the pancake mix. <laughs> and then it was over. And speaking of which, the next. No, no I'm asking, like, did I miss anything? No, nothing, nothing. It's just okay. like, oh, shit, there's shit in the hallway. Oh, shit, there's somebody on the fucking kitchen floor. So, so far, half of this movie you can watch and fast forward and not miss anything. Right. Okay. Just making sure we're on the same page. The next one I like to call, finally, some tits. <laughs> Is this the one where he's hunting the suspiciously dirty girl? Suspiciously dirty girl with her tits hanging out, yeah. Okay, so at this one, I was just like, okay, this is a new one, so I stopped. Mm-hmm. And then I seen, oh, this is a guy hunting people. I just watched the hunt. It's not going to be better than the hunt. I bet that bitch is the problem. And I hit fast forward until I found out, oh, yeah, she she was the problem. Joe, how was this movie? Quote, unquote. <laughs> She was a mermaid. <laughs> That's why. Garanio <laughs> got me. Yeah, when she gets in the water, she gets her fucking tail part back. 
still has her tits out and then kills the guy and then swims off. All right. Does she get her tail part? Because I fast forwarded, so I don't know. Does she get her quote unquote tail part back or does her legs fuse together? Um, She gets a tail part back. Okay. Yeah. And I, then she swims off because I guess apparently there's mermaids and like rivers and shit too. Oh yeah. Freshwater mermaids. <laughs> yeah, freshwater mermaids. So you got to have a license for both. And I don't think this guy had a freshwater. So uh, what was this guy doing just out in the forest hunting mythological creatures? I guess there are people that do that. I mean, I'm sure there's a fucking They're big called cryptozoologists. Podcast. Exactly. Yeah. And so finally we go back to yet another version of that story that we've seen again and again. What is do this I... the final story? Yes. Okay. This is one I call we've done this story twice already. So this one is actually called Vicious, and at this point, no fucks given, still fast-forwarded all the way through it until I hit the credits. However, excuse me, I'm going to burp. <clears throat> After I watched half this movie and fast-forwarded through the rest, I said, oh my god, Jason said this movie was going to be good. So I went on YouTube, watched three reviews. All of the reviews said this was a good movie. All of the reviews said Vicious, the third movie, was the best. So I said, yeah, fuck it. I got to go back. They're saying it. What the fuck would I be if I didn't? Say, okay, go back. This is the, I'm going to go back and watch it. Joe, what did I do? That's I right. For a little bit. I went back and watched it. Yeah. And oh mate, she started talking like this bloke, and I turned it the fuck off and said, "Fuck you." So Joe, how was this awesome masterpiece? Of I don't sh- remember this last one all that much. I I think I picked up a comic and I was just glancing. There was up. like a clothes hamper in the corner creeping towards her. Yeah, it's something like her sister had died, and like her sister's, I don't know. We get the like the first person of her going through the hallway or looking around corners and shit, and then all of a sudden she's there and chases after her or some shit. Not good, and I'm sure those three reviews that you read were friends of people that worked on this fucking movie. I, I don't know, dude. But um, you know what? You don't base friendships by lying to your friends. <laughs> If these were your friends, go and tell them they made a shitty movie so they can do better next time. If there is a next time. I hope there's not. If this is the kind of films that we have to look forward to, I I hope, yeah, this coronavirus just gets us all. But, Joe, there's the end to the wraparound. (laughs) Yeah, there's, I don't know, something happens with the fucking DJ guy. Maybe he killed his kid i don't know i don't remember you don't remember what the end was Mm-mm. so the whole payoff to this movie was nah, whatever yeah yeah well, one of these days we'll we'll get a good one maybe next but time i don't i don't think as long as we keep doing these horror anthologies but we will <laughs> uh i don't know 
Somebody's got to. Like, I, I don't know, man. The reviews I watched, they genuinely seem like they liked them. So I don't know. Maybe we're just two old gays. Possibly. But, hey, know. if you like two old gays, you can listen to us every week on the DWN Productions. Terrible horror crap podcast, maybe? But, yeah, listen to us or whatever. Fuck it. Bloody bits. And then uh, check out uh, DWNProductions.net. You can see all the masks and shit I make. Also, I have movies on there that I made for sale, or you can go on YouTube.com. <laughs> http colon slash slash www.youtube.com and in the search bar type in dwn productions cheese balls and you can see my movie i made cheese balls absolutely free of charge cgi peni and all and after that you can go to fastcustomshirts.com and order a shirt or two. Order some for your family. Order some for your friends. You know somebody with a birthday coming up. Order some shirts. Boy, Gab. All right. Thank you, fellows, for that review. And this is actually one of the films that I did see. Um, I think I gave it a 6 out of 10. For some reason, I liked some of the shorts but hated other shorts. It was a very mixed bag. It was an extremely long one. I think, they, like they said at the beginning, uh, at the review, I, I heard them mention, I think it was eight shorts. Uh, it felt like 15. I don't know. Um, I like maybe three or four. For some reason, I gave it a six, though. I'm not really sure why I gave it a six. It may not be that good. <laughs> I think you have to really be in the horror anthologies, though, to really love this film. It's okay. In my opinion, at least. Uh, they might have trashed it. I have no idea. But thank you, fellows. Make sure you check out their uh, shit in the show notes. All right. Now, moving on to the next review. It is another duo uh, that's a regular on here. Mike Merriman and Mr. Venom, Jerry Cortez from uh, Fresh Cuts, No More Room in Hell. And they are reviewing a film called Sea Fever. Take it away, guys. Hey, everybody. It's Mike. And joining me is who? Who is it? It's <laughs> Greetings and salutations, Bloody Bits listeners. That's a familiar voice if you listen to any shows I do. It's Mr. Venom, of course. We are here for the latest Bloody Bits special. Um, we're, we're racking up quite the uh, the number of specials we we're participating in. And luckily, it seemed like this time Jason was handing out uh, some decent movies, or at least intending to. Mm-hmm. Will ours be one of those? We're going to find out right now. He assigned us sea fever and uh that's a new release it's listed uh probably was at festivals or whatever in 2019 but the official wide release on vod is listed as april 10th 2020 it's listed as horror sci-fi and an hour and 35 minutes the synopsis is as follows. The crew of a West of Ireland trawler, marooned at sea, struggle for their lives against a growing parasite in their water supply. The director and writer is 
Nisa. Nisa. Just Nisa. Hardman. Nisa. Nisa Hardman. Yeah. Nisa. Nisa Hardman. Uh, Connie Nelson. Hermione. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a Harry Potter thing. That's me all like. Is it? <laughs> is yeah, yeah. Her name? <laughs> um, Doug Gray Scott. And those are the top three build on the cast. So, Sea Fever. This is probably going to sound like a fresh cuts minus a spoiler section. So uh, we will do as we do with our general thoughts. Venom, I'll kick it to you. Tell me about Sea Fever. Well, um, it seems like we're getting a good abundance of aquatic horror this year. Um, Most people will probably remember January's underwater theatrical release. Now, after people watched that trailer, going into that movie, a lot of people were basically comparing that to Alien but underwater and i have to say that sea fever actually fits that description much more than underwater anybody who saw underwater realizes that there were multiple locations that they were able to get to you know underwater duh uh by walking on the sea floor whereas this movie is uh you know basically isolated single location um as mike already mentioned a crew of a fishing vessel going out at sea so the, the the whole claustrophobia thing was definitely more prevalent in this movie than in underwater and of course unlike underwater you know it doesn't have the budget um that you know a big theatrical release has you know starring Kristen stewart and you know tj miller and multiple other people so obviously we're probably not gonna you probably shouldn't expect you know the large um special effects extravaganza that you get at the end of underwater but you know what I love I like this movie just as much as I enjoyed Underwater for two different for different reasons. Um, I feel that the performances here are so spot on. Uh, Hermione Corfield plays our main protagonist, Siobhan, who is basically a um, a science student of some kind. Uh, we get a quick scene of her early on that just kind of shows that she's kind of an introvert, kind of a loner, doesn't really have a lot of friends in the lab that she works at. She's basically tasked with um, follow or you know uh, uh, accompanying a crew of as we mentioned a fishing vessel going out to sea so that she can take samples of different sea life and things like that. Of course, the vessel you know in their travels ends up um, getting stuck on something i'll leave it at that and that something ends up uh putting a parasite on the ship into their water supply which of course affects everyone on the ship now i gotta say man this movie was released at the absolute perfect time i'm sure that there's no way that they could have predicted that a pandemic would be occurring right now but just the way that this movie handles a lot of the things that we're dealing with now, like quarantine, social isolation, you know, shelter at home, things like that, it just really drove up the intensity of the film. And even for me, you know, I had my heart in my throat uh, on a, in a couple of scenes. But yeah, I, this this movie really worked for me on every level. I thought the writing was great, the direction was great, um, the underwater cinematography looked gorgeous. Um, both early on when they were just showing your basic sea life and then later on when we're actually looking at the quote-unquote thing that is antagonizing this uh, fishing vessel. Um, So yeah, man, this movie worked for me a lot. And I'm hearing a lot of people um, online kind of complain about the third act. Basically the same kind of complaints that Mike and I had for We Summon the Darkness, where we didn't feel like We Summon the Darkness really 
ramped up, you know, the intensity in the third act like we thought they should have. This one also doesn't do that. And I'm hearing, you know, I'm reading and hearing complaints from, you know, others in the community about it. But ultimately, I think it worked. I think it's a it's a slow burn. It's a much more subtle film. Um, I can't get into spoilers, obviously, um, so I can't really talk too into too much detail about the parasite and you know what it's doing through but i mean we get a couple of really cool kills you know we get the standard isolation of people you know accusing one another of what's going on on the ship and you even get like almost like what's going on in real life right now between liberals and conservatives how conservatives want to go back to work and open the country back up but then a lot of like scientists and liberals are like, no, 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 we, we, we need to flatten the curve more. And you get that in this movie, too, where people are like, well, we need to get back to land. And, you know, our our protagonist, Siobhan, is basically like, no, no, if we have a parasite on this ship, we cannot bring it back to land because it could be detrimental to the um, population. So. Um, this movie just came out at the absolute perfect time, and ultimately, I loved every second of it. I thought the relationships were great. We don't have the horror hierarchy, as I like to call it, of you know um, characters in these movies where you get like the asshole or the bitch or the, just about everybody in this movie is likable in you know some way, shape, or form. And um, obviously, not obviously, but um, the performance of our main girl. Uh, Siobhan, played, like I said, by Hermione Corfield. I think she does a spectacular job conveying, you know, her emotion, her intellect, and, I mean, this movie is a triumph for me in almost every way. I mean, it sounds like I'm, you know, <laughs> basically saying that this movie's perfect. It's not perfect by any stretch. I mean, like I said, it is a lower-budget film. Um, it is definitely more character-driven than, you know, um, action-driven or horror set piece driven, but it works for this film. And like I said, I, I think it just came out at the absolute perfect time. This movie would get a very high recommend for me as far as watching it right now. If you're stuck at home during a pandemic, I think this is just the perfect time to watch a film like this. What'd you think, Mike? You pretty much said everything I was going to say. So back to you, Jason. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe, Basically, just to add, you know, this is an example of a movie understanding how to get things done on a smaller scale, on a smaller budget. You know, you're like you mentioned, you're not going to have like the big creature action set pieces on a movie like this. Um, it's definitely character driven, dialogue driven. Um, but just the fact that it takes place on this ship in uh, close confines it definitely you definitely get the uh, claustrophobic feel um i would draw similarities like you know a lot of movies in space like like an alien of course where there's really nowhere to go i mean once the uh, the sequence of events start happening there's only so many places you can escape to when something's closing in on your ship what is it we're not going to spoil that for you but um, mm -hmm. obviously it's something from the sea so <laughs> that's going to be hint enough but, uh, yeah, I thought this was a really good example of how to get it done um, within the confines. You know, it, it feels like they're never striving for anything out of reach that, that is going to hurt, you know, the movie not delivering. You know, it's not – it doesn't feel like it's building up to something and then letting you down by not delivering. it. Yeah, the style of this movie is great. I, I like the cast. Um, I like how everything played out in the movie, and I was really impressed with it. Um, 
I, I had heard a few people who had seen it, um, before, like, right around the time we got assigned, and it seemed like, uh, for the most part, I heard positive things. I mean, there are some people that didn't like it out there, but uh, some of our buddies in the podcast community had seen it, and they, they had some pretty good things to say, so... I'm glad that this one is getting watched, and hopefully, you know, more people will see it. But uh, yeah, I love settings like this, where it, it, it's basically people having to figure out how to handle a situation. And you're you're always because this setup has been done plenty of times. Of course, you're going to get some familiar situations, some familiar reactions when you know different opinions form on how to tackle the problem you know there's always going to be the we need to follow protocol people versus you know screw protocol this <laughs> there is no protocol for a situation like this type of reaction and it's always cool to see how the writing and direction is going to handle that and how it's going to play out and although we don't get like a ton of like gross stuff and creature stuff what we do get i think actually does look good there's some there's a couple things that are pretty gross like when we actually get a look at it, what happens um you could you could say there's you know some body horror mixed in here um, yeah so i think on the on the plus side for if if you're afraid of getting a lack of all that stuff at least what we do get is done pretty well and yeah like, i think like you i enjoyed this one and it's uh, yeah it's I mean, 90 minutes just about the right time too you know oh yeah perfect um, and a lot of people, you know, you can make the argument that this is a, a Lovecraftian horror film. I'm not going to make any specific details as to why, but obviously with cosmic horror, there is that unknown element, and that's exactly what this crew is kind of dealing with, is that unknown element. You know, the, the, uh, the unknown antagonist that's, you know, affecting their ship and affecting everyone that's on it. So, uh, that, of course, me being a Lovecraft fan, both literary and cinematic, um, I, I thought this movie worked really, really well. And then one of the uh, the last thing that I want to kind of point out about the film is how they handle superstition. This this movie has a theme of superstition throughout. Um, one of the first ones they talk about is how fishermen don't swim. None of the none of the people on this boat know how to swim because the argument is if the ship goes down, they they want to die quickly. You know what I mean? They don't want to mm. try to swim and, and end up suffering in the cold, cold water until, you know, death or some creature comes and gets them, um, which obviously left me scratching my head a little bit. You know, it, it seems like somebody who basically lives on the ocean would know how to swim. But at the same time, you know, their argument is somewhat valid. Uh, the next one they talk about is redheads. Um, our main uh, protagonist, Siobhan, is a redhead. And she's wearing a beanie when she first gets on the ship, so everybody's real friendly with her. But then as soon as they realize she's a redhead, then they start talking about how redheads are bad luck. Um, you know, they don't like having redheads on the ship. I don't know if that's an Irish thing or if that's a European thing or, you know, where that came from. But, you know, there it is. And, and there's other examples of it, too, throughout the movie that are kind of discussed. But, yeah, um, some of them are a little deeper in the movie, so I'm not going to talk about those. Those first two I talked about... You know, they, they're kind of addressed in the first, like, 10, 15 minutes of the film. So um, I did like the way that they tackled superstition in this movie. Um, but, yeah, like Mike said, I thoroughly enjoyed this. It gets a very high recommend from me. It is available on VOD currently. I'm sure it will drop somewhere on um, 
streaming services, you know, for free, potentially like a Shutter or Netflix or something like that. And hopefully more people will be able to get eyes on this because I think this is a movie that needs to be seen by a majority of us in the community, you know, um, whereas Underwater from earlier this year was the big, as I mentioned, the big, you know, um, special effects extravaganza. I mean, it's probably not much of a spoiler to say right now that, yeah, that is Cthulhu there at the end of the movie. Um, This movie is obviously a lot more subtle. We don't get those big wide angle shots of the quote unquote thing that's antagonizing this ship. But what we get, I feel, is enough because it's more the story of survival. It's not the story of this creature. It's the story of these people trying to survive, what they're willing to do, um, you know, how they're butting heads with what should be done. You know, we should go back to land, we shouldn't, blah, blah, blah. Um, how the, the characters, and, and especially Siobhan, how she ends up handling the situation. Um, she kind of takes the decision into her own hands. And um, again, I just thought everything worked so well. All the performances, all the effects, um, the, the story, everything. It, it's even got a decent pace. I mean, I, I call it a slow burn only because the first act, as with most horror films, is going to be a lot of character development. You know, people on the boat getting to know each other, having a good time, you know, eating meals together, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then obviously everything starts to kind of spiral downward, you know, as uh, the situation gets worse and worse. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is this this is basically the story of uh, you know a captain of a ship who makes one poor decision that ends up you know costing many people their lives, and I absolutely loved it. So yeah, high recommend from Mr. Venom. Yeah, I'm also going to give it a high recommend. Uh, Jason uh, did well for us on this Blood and Bits <laughs> special. Uh, I, yeah, this is easily probably the best thing we've watched for him i was you know i I was always kind of leaning on the cannibal club but i think i actually enjoyed this one a little bit more yeah that's the main other one that came to my head i was like it's (laughs) got to be between this and cannibal club but i think this i feel like cannibal club was good it had a lot of good ideas but this feels like more the more complete movie yes Um, as far as like they were able to get everything in there cannibal club had a lot of good ideas and concepts and some good gore but it it definitely felt more hampered of a movie mm-hmm. because of the low budget where this feels like like of course if they had a bigger budget they probably would have done more creature effects but the the uh the fact that they weren't able to didn't really hurt the movie in the way they were able to execute it so mm-hmm. i probably give the nod to this one too yeah absolutely yes thank you very much jason this was a this was a great pick it seems like most of the movies you picked for this episode for uh, us horophilia guys to review um, were, you know, in the upper, you know, at least better than most. So I'm very glad that we got this one. Obviously, Mike and I are both fans of aquatic horror. Um, I, I don't want to speak for Mike. I myself am a huge fan of Lovecraftian, you know, slash cosmic horror as well. So, yeah, like I said, this movie worked for me on every level. And um, if this gets a Blu-ray release, I can almost guarantee I'll be picking it up. This could easily be... Um, I, I doubt we'll be dealing with pandemics <laughs> every single year for like the next 10, 20 <laughs> years by any stretch. But this is definitely a movie to watch like when you're stuck at home with a cold or something like that and you get... You want something that's you know gives you that isolated feeling of you know being trapped. This is this is a go-to movie. Alien is still king, but this is a great entry into the genre. So yeah, kudos. Definitely agree with all that. So uh, it's two 
uh, positive reactions for sea fever. So I guess that'll conclude our segment. I hope everyone else um, has as much fun with their movie as we did with this one. Uh, Venom, you want to kick it back to Jason? Absolutely, Jason. Thank you again so much for having us on the show. It's always a pleasure to do this. Mike and I always look forward to these because uh, these are quick reviews where I don't have to you know, do three days worth of research and preparation for a show. So, again, thank you very much. And listeners, enjoy the rest of the Bloody Bits special. Back to you, Jason. All right, thank you for that review. And uh, this is another film that I did see. And it is kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, the thing on water is, is the closest I can think of it here. Um, you know, a little different, of course, but that's the closest comparison. If you had to wrap it up in a nutshell, I actually enjoy this one quite a bit. Uh, yeah, man, it's I'm not going to say much more than that, but it is one of the better films of the year so far of a year that's kind of subpar in my opinion <laughs> well i don't know it's actually wrapping up to be a pretty good year in the past two or three weeks i've seen some of the best of so uh but yeah it's a pretty good film and hopefully they liked it and agreed with what i just said here i have no idea but make sure you check out mike and jerry no more room in hell all right now moving on to the next review is from another regular on the podcast and one of the hosts of Dark Discussions, one of the longest-running kick-ass podcasts out there. Make sure if you never heard of Dark Discussions, you need to check them out ASAP. They crank them out, man. <laughs> They're in the hundreds. I should have checked and see how many uh, episodes they have here. But, man, they have tons and tons of material. And Mr. Philip Perrin is a professional. And he is going to be reviewing a film called The Dark Red. Take it away, Philip. Hello, thank you, Jason Lloyd, for allowing me, Philip, from the Dark Discussions podcast to review a film for this latest Buddy Bits. You can find Dark Discussions podcast wherever podcasts are found or simply at www.darkdiscussions.com where we review and critique a genre film weekly. Tonight I am doing a film called the Dark Red, a new film by director Dan Bush. Dan Bush is probably best known for the film The Signal from 2007, uh, kind of a zombie film, kind of related to uh, The Cell by Stephen King. It's, it has that type of vibe. And uh, he did the third segment in that film. It was kind of an anthology film, but directed by three different people with the three scenes with the same characters in them. Uh, this here film um, is his latest film. However, he has done a few other films, including uh, The Vault, uh, which uh, starred James Franco and Clint Eastwood's daughter, Francesca Eastwood. Uh, and he also did a film, a uh, science fiction film, actually called The Reconstruction of William Zero, which uh, was a film I have not seen. Uh, oddly, uh, he hasn't done too much since The Signal, where you would think he would have uh, been able to get a lot more things done. But uh, either way, he has a new film now. Uh, this film technically was made in 2018, but played this festival circuits for basically what it appears to be two years and is now just finally being released in 2020. It stars an actress named April Billingsley who I've never really seen before though she had done two 
episodes of The Walking Dead playing a character called Teresa, and she's done a number of uh, TV guest sh shorts and things of that nature, but n nothing nothing uh, major. This is basically her first uh, starring role, to my knowledge, of, of any significance. Um, uh, the film basically has a uh, quick synopsis here. Simply, a young woman is committed to a psychiatric hospital and claims her newborn was stolen by a secret society to harvest its supernatural blood. Um, now, the film um, is getting pretty good reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, 75% uh, uh, good reviews, which is, is pretty, pretty solid. Uh, though... Um, it's a mix between bloggers and mainstream reviewers. Uh, some of the mainstream reviews, for example, is uh, Austin Chronicle. Um, basically, the film is about this uh, woman who uh, loses someone and uh, meets someone at a funeral. Uh, she hooks up with the man on the first night and gets pregnant and from there they plan to get married and whatnot um, but they're basically common law for the first eight to ten months um, or it seems that it's going to be uh, at this point it's like eight months in or so um, they finally agree to meet his parents because she's basically an orphan uh, now with no family and whatnot and uh, from that point things go haywire so there's a lot of flashbacks uh, basically we start the film with her in a psychiatric institute or sanitarium if you prefer where she is working with a doctor who uh, she has to get along with because otherwise the doctor will not allow her to get out this doctor I will say is a legitimate doctor not some crazy she this she really does want to help our patient and does want to have her get out and so a lot of the first third of the film is told in flashback um, and and whatnot uh, and that's mostly the relationship with her new beau that she met at the funeral and whatnot. Uh, the second half of the film, or the last two thirds of the film, is uh, interesting. Uh, basically, she, she eventually gets out, uh, and she is going to find her baby, uh, as stated in the little blurb I read, where the, her she believes the baby was kidnapped by some cult because of some magical or or arcane blood. Uh, rare blood type within her and her baby. Um, the film goes into uh, a point where our actress um, has to become, I guess, someone that knows self-defense, weapons, things of that nature, because she honestly believes that this cult is very dangerous. And then the last half is or I should say the last third is what we call uh, the climatic battle scene between those she believes to be the enemy and herself. Um, the film 
is a pretty solid film. Uh, I have to say that it's it does deserve its 75% good reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. It's uh, an interesting drama, melodrama, the first 30 minutes, and then the last uh, hour or so is pretty solid horror and action. Um, there is some pretty, pretty uh, uh, interesting horror elements i won't give anything away um and the actress is definitely someone that is someone we are sympathetic to and she is definitely a kick-ass uh hero or action hero in the last third of the film so uh i would definitely um recommend this film i enjoyed it uh kept my interest throughout um whether it's considered a a solid film for 2020 in horror would be up to you, but I could see it being um, a top horror film for a lot of folks who would listen to Bloody Bits. So I would recommend you check it out if you're the type of person that does a blog or a podcast and reviews films and creates best of year lists. Uh, this film is probably one that you probably want to check out for a couple of reasons. One, because it is a good film. And two, because uh, Bush, uh, Dan Bush, the director, uh, is someone uh, of note, even if uh, he's not prolific. Uh, so I would uh, recommend the film. Um, you can find it pretty much uh, anywhere at this point. Um, it has a really great performance by our lead who uh, pretty much comes out of nowhere as I stated and uh, may actually be able to uh, turn this into something more because uh, her performance is really really solid um, so yeah I recommend uh, now uh, last thing uh, once again I am Philip from the Dark Discussions podcast you can find us at www.darkdiscussions.com and I would uh, recommend you check us out if you like uh, critique, review, and discussion of films and the symbolism and all that great stuff. Basically, horror, sci-fi, fantasy, and whatnot. And with that, I will let this go back to Jason Lloyd. And Jason, back to you. Thank you, sir, for that review. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, this is a film I was going to watch. I haven't watched it quite yet, but uh, I do have it on my radar. So hopefully he liked it. Hopefully it's decent. And once again, make sure you check out his stuff at thedarkdiscussions.com. All right, so now moving on to the next review. Uh, there's two more reviews we got left here. The next one, though, is another duo. They are regular on, on uh, Bloody Bits, and it is Mr. Derek B. from Cinema Attack Podcast. And he has a... Uh, Oh, man, I forgot the name of it. I apologize. But he's also part of a Kaiju podcast. And then there's also uh, Moods, which, of course, he's one of the lead hosts on 22 Shots of Moods and Horror. And they've done a few of these four bloody bits. They've teamed up together, and they are going to review a film called Rootwood. Uh, this one had one of the most interesting synopsises to me. Uh, definitely, you're looking forward to checking it out. Hopefully, they liked it. Uh, they have a lot to discuss about it, at least. That uh, looks like coming in with a 26-minute review. All right, so take it away, fellas. Yes, yes, y'all. Yes, yes, y'all. Yes, yes, y'all. 
Yes, yes, y'all. It's your boy Moods representing the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast. And of course, I have my man Derek LaSoul, a.k.a. Derek Underground, a.k.a. Derek the Dude, also known as Depot Derek, representing Cinema Attack, up in the house with me. What's going on, playa? Yeah, it's going, man. Uh, gotta thank uh, Mr. Jason Lloyd for picking us a classic to review. How did he pick these things? Were they uh, given out at random or what? A dartboard, our names written on it. I never really know how he does this. He's just, like, assigning movies to people and stuff, but I'm assuming they're random, but, I mean, unless he has some kind of weird hidden agenda behind these picks, I don't know. I was thinking it was going to be more like the episode of South Park, how they think of TV ideas. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man, so it's been a little bit uh, since we've been on Bloody Bits, but we are back... um, yeah, man. So the film w- that uh, was picked for us from uh, the godly Jason Lloyd uh, is a film that on IMDb says it's from 2018. I'm assuming it's just getting its release now. And yeah, I believe it uh, got released VOD April 7th. Okay, so April 7th, 2020, yep. And it has a, an IMDb dated 2018, and it's a film called Rootwood, uh, directed by Marcel Walls. I uh, don't really know what else this guy's done. Um, uh, oh. I know one, one, yeah, one film in particular. That's right. That's right. Actually, yes, you informed me yesterday that he was the one behind the Blood Feast remake that came out a couple years ago. Uh, yeah, actually, looking at his filmography right now, I don't really recognize anything on here. Um, oh, actually, no, I do. Uh, Le Petit Mort 2, the sequel. Actually, I reviewed this movie once before. Okay. Yep. It's all coming back to you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Megan and Ryan did um, uh, effects on those movies. Ryan Nicholson and his wife actually did effects for those movies, so that's very interesting. Um, but, uh, yeah, Rootwood. Let's get into a quick little synopsis. Two students are hired by a, by a Hollywood film producer to shoot a horror documentary about the curse of the wooden devil. Uh, <laughs> quick little... Um, context behind the synopsis basically they do kind of give you like a written um prologue to what the backstory is yeah of uh, what the curse of the wooden devil actually is and it, it kind of tells you that there was like this um i want to say woodsman not even a woodsman i think he was more or less like a um what do, you, what do you call them? Uh, whatever. We'll just call him a woodsman. But he yeah. was in, he was in fear of the forest. I think he was actually like a forest ranger. I think in the movie they actually call him a forest ranger. But I think in the prologue they call him like a woodsman, which is weird. But anyways, forest ranger, whatever. And he was in fear that the forest was in danger and stuff. So he essentially, make a long story short, sold his, cell, sold his soul to the devil to protect the woods. And ultimately kind of released, uh, well, the devil into the forest and... He goes like on a killing rampage. That's what the curse is. It's about this this kind of devil creature thing that kills people. It's not really a very in depth backstory. It's kind of basic, you know. Um, but that's all you pretty much get with this. Uh, so we get introduced to our two main characters, which is uh, William and Jessica. They are actually in universe or they're in college, university, whatever. They have a they host a horror podcast called the Spooky Hour. <laughs> and it deals with their their specialty is dealing with urban legends and supernatural type things um, 
And of course, they get uh, contacted by this Hollywood producer who is actually played by Felicia Rose um, because apparently she kind of likes the podcast and whatnot. And she asked them if they want to be in or if they're interested in directing a um, like a documentary about the, the curse of the wooden devil. So, yeah. of course, they 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 accept the offer because, you know, they kind of see it as as a gateway to, you know, to um, being famous. You know, this is their this is their shot. You know, if they do something like this, they can become rich and famous kind of thing. So, of course, they, you know, they accept the offer. They um, they invite their friend Aaron along, who's played by Sarah French, who's pretty good looking. And they head out to the woods to do some do some documentary and, and uh, shit starts going down. Um, what are your thoughts on this one? It, like we were saying, like with the setup, it's basic. Pretty much, this is kind of like a, not like a found footage. It's more like a, it's kind of Blair Witch, you know. Yeah, uh, it's shot documentary style. It's not, it's not per se a found footage film at all. It's yeah, it's literally about these characters, and it's it's all self aware. Like they're shooting, and you know, it's exactly it's face value stuff, right? You know, they're going out there and they're just kind of talking about this documentary that they're doing and they're trying to find these marks. They they had these certain marks that were given to them by the um by the producer and stuff and it was things that they needed to find and and to investigate to further their, you know, their narrative and their, you know. And um so yeah, it's all documentary kind of style. Um but Yeah, I I kind of like the setup of it. It, it is kind of a slow build-up to, like, when shit starts to hit down, because you are just following the three main characters. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, I, I kind of dig the story. You know, the film's actually shot pretty good. And, you know, the acting, for the most part, is actually suitable for this type of movie. I'm not going to lie, man. I thought the acting was actually really atrocious. Like, the opening mm-hmm. scene with um, the uh, the two characters, William and Jessica... And it, it the basically the film opens up with them just they're doing their podcast they're yeah. inserting back and forth and stuff and I was like where is the emotion like it seemed like it, they were joking while they were doing their live podcast but it wasn't supposed to be a joke it was just the way their acting was very kind of wooden and I felt like that throughout the whole film too like the emotion just it wasn't and see this is the type of thing I always say when I watch like found footage films or documentary type films and stuff when you're watching found footage films it's supposed to be real so the, if yeah. the acting is shitty in a found footage film it really doesn't sell it well you know you just you just go so far away from accepting that it's real because if the acting's shitty it's just it, it, it just can't sell the product properly right and I felt here it was a little bit wooden too because they're supposed to be playing themselves I know they're still characters in a in a you know in a fictional movie and stuff like that but the acting was it seemed like they were playing something else it was coming off a little bit too wooden for myself if it comes off natural it's easy to sell you know like oh these yeah. characters are believable you know like he seems like a very believable horror fan and and so does she and stuff and and Right off the bat, right from the opening scene, I was like, oh, man, I don't know about these two. And it just kind of continued throughout the film. It had that same kind of wooden approach to the characters. And, you know, there was, there was you know, attempts at humor and stuff. There was a scene where he was taking a shit in the bathroom and stuff. I'm like, uh-huh, you know, things like that. I mean, the movie's not a comedy. It, try, it doesn't try to go that route. But I yeah. still think the characters were just kind of bland for what they were. You yeah, know? you know, like, I, I agree, you know, it's... They are pretty wooden in the approach, especially it, it just felt kind of awkward in some scenes with the way that certain characters reacted to each other. Well, you know? that, that's the other thing, too, because, I mean, straight up, you know, William and Jessica, you know, you can tell that they are like legit friends. Right. They're, they're kind of awkward with each other. There's not really a love interest there, but then there's this awkward 
kind of interest that Aaron has in William, like all of a sudden in the film, there's a part where she puts his hand on his leg and stuff. And then that just kind of, that kind of depletes itself really quickly and stuff. And, but it's just like awkward. It's like really, really awkward characters. And I never really even fully understood what the point of having her there was, you know, until, you know, like at, you know, while you're watching the film, you're like, why is this chick here kind of thing? But then you kind of, you kind of get the understanding, like, you know, as the film, as the narrative progresses and then, you know, the twists and turns happen at the end of the film and stuff, you understand. But like, you know, at first you're like, this is such an awkward setup because there's no reason for her to be there at all. Yeah. Right. So it's like, even the excuse for her to be there is kind of stupid too. It is. It is. It's like, there's absolutely no need for, I mean, they're even calling her useless and stuff. I mean, it only takes two people to, I mean, they got these head cams are doing all the film and it doesn't take three. Yeah. Unless they want like the the whole excuses. Uh, I think, uh, Jessica says it to William. Well, uh, Laura, who's Felissa Rose's character. So we should bring a third person just in case we could have a shot of both of us in the camera. Yeah, yeah. That was the whole excuse for that. Exactly. But, I mean, in in, in hindsight, it's, like, insanely lame. Because it doesn't really fucking matter. Because, theoretically, they don't need to be in the same camera shot. It's it's such a stupid thing. Uh, The other thing that actually kind of drove me nuts, when they get to the forest, um, they they decide their their sleeping arrangements. And I was like, okay. And then they're like, okay, you're going to sleep here, and I'm going to sleep here. And then um, William is going to sleep outside in a tent. I was like, motherfucker, what the fuck? There's three beds in that thing. There's three beds in that motorhome because I literally have a very, very similar motorhome. It's the exact same setup, pretty much the same one. Um, mine is actually just a different brand. It's actually kind of better quality. But but I know that setup in there. Super comfy because yeah. there's a bed above where, you know, the driver's seats are. There's the table bed and then there's the actual bed in the back. <clears throat> I'm like, why is he sleeping outside? You guys can all sleep separately. It's so stupid. It's like so ridiculous. I just thought that was so dumb. But whatever. Yeah. Can we talk about the blue hair, man? The blue hair was amazing, though. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, that just seemed like a a feeble attempt at, you know, trying to make someone all whorish. You know, it's like this blue hair and fucking... I was like, what the fuck is up with the blue hair, dude? Like, I don't know. Yeah. You know, it it, it struck me. You know, I I kept staring at it. It was like, okay, this movie's got something that I was keeping a hold of me. (laughs) I was grasping at straws at some point. So this yeah, I, could, I I can kind of see that actually. Yeah, I mean, right off the bat, I was like, oh, she's got blue hair, you know, <laughs> whatever. You gotta um, take that here, man. <laughs> but you know, as for the film itself, like I said, you know, it kind of gives you minimal story, it gives you a little bit of a backstory. There's not a whole lot of depth to it and stuff. It's it's very much it's very kind of run of the mill in these type of documentary slash kind of found footage type films and stuff. You know, this one right here, I'm not gonna lie. I predicted the twist in this probably like 15 minutes into the movie. Um, and I was like, okay, but that's not really even what my problem is. It's more of the progression of the narrative in this. It's it's quite a slow buildup. Minimal characters. I thought, like I said, the acting was really shitty. I thought the dialogue was really bland and boring too. I wish they had of kind of trying to, I wish they had of dove more into, you know, the actual urban legends. And I mean, they try it at points, but it's very feeble. You know, he's telling stories about the urban legends and things like that, but it doesn't go into depth at all. So the dialogue overall is pretty bland. Like Aaron's just an annoying ass character in the movie. Um, yeah. You know, and it's, it sucks because there's three characters. One of them sucks. The other two are kind of wooden stuff. Dialogue shitty. Um, I, po- I think it's more of the dialogue itself that makes, because uh, the chick who plays Jessica, I actually seen her in a few other movies. Uh, one, she doesn't really talk in it because, uh, well, I'll tell you off here. About well, that. I've seen, I've actually seen, I've seen all three of these people in shit before. 
Yeah. And I swear it's like just the characters that they came up. Maybe it is a combination of the script slash dialogue. Uh, I don't know, approach the characters. stuff. Maybe they just didn't know what to do in this type of narrative where they're supposed to be playing like these real characters. You know, I don't know. Yeah. But it does come off very, very awkward and bland. I was just finding myself super bored. But, you know, yeah. you know, and the pluses like it, it is a short movie. It only runs just over 80 minutes. But I even found for an 80 minute movie, it was really kind of dragging itself. I'm like, you know, 30 minutes into the film. They're not even at the first marker. And that was actually one of the points in the film that was a dead giveaway to me. What, like where this thing was going. Cause they end up finding like kind of this water tower thing. And it's like this memorial to these dead people that have, or to these people that have been missing that went missing in the forest and stuff. But there's a scene where, you know, he goes up to this thing and he, he touches uh, one of the names is written in this red stuff, which turns out to be blood, but it's wet. And I'm like, what the f- I'm like, okay, that might have just confirmed exactly where this is going right now. Yeah. And, and I was like, because it just didn't make any sense to me, right? Because there's no other characters in this. We haven't been introduced to anybody else. And I'm like, why the fuck is this wet? And it's literally in the middle of nowhere. Like, literally in the middle of nowhere. So the setup itself was a little bit poorly done. Um, but, you know, at, at that moment where they're kind of sitting there talking in the woods and stuff, I'm like, fucking walking around. I'm like, man, this has this kind of fucking Lord of the Rings feel. They're just walking around and shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, oh, my God. But I will say some of the cinematography is nice. The locations that they did use in this, the forest, the the wooded areas and stuff that they shot in were actually really beautiful. Uh, the nighttime shots were really well done, too. It was well lit. It, it looked really good. Um, but yeah. That's really about it, though, man. I mean... You know, the, the whole twists and turns in the end were just so, oh, man. I was just like, oh, my Mustache God. twirling at the end, the reveal. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm like, okay. So they actually did. I, I was kept thinking to myself, I'm like, I hope they don't go where I think this is going. And it sure as hell does. And I'm just like, oh, my God. But, you know, and poor Felicia Rose, man. I mean, she's playing this Hollywood producer and her acting is so over the goddamn top. It's so bad in this, man. I'm just like, I felt so sorry for her. I'm like, what are you doing? I feel like most of these actors just like, they, they just scrapped them like after they already finished another movie or something. And like, all right, you only got like three days. Let's do this. <laughs> it feels like at some points, right? Like when they first, when they first meet up with Felicia Rose and they're you know, having their meal and stuff, I'm like, she's just not natural about it. Like she's so amped up and just so over the top of their acting in the course. And then you, you get to see her in the end of the film too. And then I'm just like, Oh man, this is so brutally bad. It was just, it was like, it was oh, making you know, me was, so awkward. I was like, this is awkwardly bad, man. I'm like, this how about her black henchman? I, I, I well, African-American, you know what I mean? But you know, yeah. fucking, you know, he's like, hello there. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, who the fuck right? like that? <laughs> like, who the fuck is this guy? Where the fuck is this guy coming from, man? Yeah. Oh man, uh, the German dude. I am German. I'm okay. <laughs> it's like the worst German accent ever. It really was, man. It was like, and that's the thing. It just kind of goes to say, you know, with everybody in this movie, and there's not that many characters, you know, but everybody is distinctly bad, in my opinion. You know, I mean, those were bad, bad performers. The other ones were just kind of wooden. They weren't terrible, but they were just not believable. They, they they are acceptable for like you know like you know once you get some of the other like like when you get to the Felissa Rose henchman fucking dude and you're like wow mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. these two are like Oscar worthy compared to these fucking <laughs> characters that they just met like no one acts like that in Hollywood. <laughs> no, no, you really don't, right? Uh, yeah. Good lord. 
Well, I mean, this one was definitely a complete miss for me, man. I, I was just like, you know, going into this one, I even said too, I said, this one can either is either going to be really good or it's going to be really bad. If I feel like there's no middle that. ground on this, right? It's just, it's these type of setups, man. They're so hit and miss, right? We've seen this movie done a million, million times. I mean, it's not, at least it's not one of those Bigfoot stories where, you know, the whole movie is like this semi fucking you know suspenseful build up and then you get like a millisecond glimpse of the of the bigfoot it it didn't really turn out like that um and that's the other thing about this movie too it really lacks suspense you know it really it lacks a lot of parts. well and you have a creature named the wooden devil like that's the best name that could come up for the fucking thing well speaking of names i mean their podcast was called the spooky hour like who what did they come up with that in 3 seconds i mean it's probably better than 22 shots of moods and horror, but still come on the spooky hour. I mean, it's a show about urban legends and supernatural, uh, existence. You know, it's like the spooky hour. What did a four year old come up with that? Like, come on, man. I want to know if that's like a real podcast name. It probably is. I mean, the spooky hour is so generic. I mean, I can tell you one thing. No one has a name like 22 Shots and Moves in Art. <laughs> but the Spooky Hour, I would guarantee if you Google the Spooky Hour podcast right now, 27 titles would come up. 27 different movies or podcasts. And that's just a that's just a guess in the dark right there. I don't know. But you know what I'm saying? I, I, but I it, just, it goes back to my point of everything here not being original, you know, stemming right from the podcast name to the to the the narrative you know the backstory the story you know it's just nothing here these twists and turns have been done before um and i'm not saying that just because they have done been done before doesn't mean they can't be good i just think the execution in this was horrible it was really yeah. really horrible um you know i mean i've seen worse movies 100 you know the production value on it wasn't like horrible like i said you know cinematography was decent but it really could have helped from just a better script you know it's just lacking in script yeah, like, i like these rushed. ideas i like these ideas of making these documentaries about these urban legends and shit but if they're executed you know correctly they can really work you know and, and especially if you do them kind of straight up too and not predictable uh, well, well i'll tell you one thing it is better than blood the blood feast remake yeah i never seen it i never i never uh checked it oh out, my so. god <laughs> yeah shit um well i mean that's pretty much what i have on this one i mean yeah this is like you know i i think people should witness the fucking ending for themselves uh uh, if they want to be like what the fuck is going on here (laughs) like it's just weird it's just a weird one for me Yeah, yeah i didn't like this one at all um Ratings? We might as well just get into ratings. I have nothing else to say about it without giving the rest of the movie away. So, uh, what did you give it, Moose? Uh, I give this one three out of ten. Like I said, some of the cinematography is good, but everything else was lacking really, really hard on this one for myself. Um, like I, you know, I've seen worse. You know, it's it's definitely not, it's definitely uh, watchable. But yeah. you know, in terms of entertainment value and just like, oh my god. Uh, I I I gave it like a four. You know, I I kind of, uh, I kind of dug. You know, I didn't mind some of the. You know, like the, I, I didn't notice it when I was watching it, like the two leads and shit. But now you think about it, like yeah, you kind of. Well, it was like the whole movie was like that too. So maybe it was like they were less noticeable than, say, like, 
you know, when you see the, like I said, the fucking other side characters that come in the movie. Yeah, you know, know, it's just, it's, I think it, I think the problem is when you get introduced to William and Jessica, like, it's a close-up shot of them doing their podcast, and the, what, what they're conversating about is just so wooden and so, like, you're trying to figure it out, you're like, are they being serious with this podcast? Because it sounds like they're just kind of joking around, but they're being dead serious, and I'm like, oh my god, it just, it taints your, you know, your vision of these characters for the, like, the rest of the movie, but it really doesn't change, it's just the way they are, and I'm like, my god. You got to put yeah, a little I, bit more energy yeah. into this, man. Like they just didn't come off as believable horror uh, heads, anyways. I mean, like they have these feeble attempts where you know uh, William is wearing this shirt that's like one of those Vincent Price, Lugosi, whatever it is, um, shirts and stuff. You know, it's got the four names, and I can't remember who's all in there. And yeah. uh, but you know, it, it's things like that, and like her look too. I was like, man, that's not really what horror fans look like. Come on, man. Like it's just things like it's it's almost like this movie was made by you know, someone that just wasn't a whore fan, you know, they just kind of put these things, like, like I said, you know, fucking the, the spooky hour. Come on, man. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whoever wrote the screenplay should have been shot. <laughs> <sighs> uh, yeah. That's what I, you know, I, I, it's not, it was better than one night at October. I'll give it that much. Yeah. Yeah. It was probably better than that shit. Um, I just feel I feel sorry for you know people like Felicia Rose and stuff. I mean, she's probably on set for like three hours, did her part because her parts are quite small. Like you probably could have yeah. shot those very fast. And uh, you know, it, it's another one of these kind of cameo appearances by Felicia Rose. Like I'm just so tired of seeing movies like this because I always feel bad for them because it's like you know they only have so much time, so they put these type of performances in. And I'm like. You know, Felicia Rose is a better actress than this, and I understand, you know, script, blah, 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 and stuff, but I need to get out of here. And it really does show on screen. You know, indie films can be really good, you know, if you just put the time and, you know, work into it and stuff. And this is just not one of them. Yeah, it just, yeah, like we, like I said in Moods, it just feels rushed in some aspects of it that make it less enjoyable than, say, like something else that we would rate higher, you know, like, even like a Velocipastor that we reviewed a while ago, at least that felt like it had some love put into it and it didn't feel rushed. You know, it could have been rushed. We could have been just bullshitting ourselves, but it just felt, you know, at least it was kind of a cool narrative to that one too. That was kind of different and kind of fun. Yeah. Well, at least that one was fun. Like this one right here is it just kind of has that mood to it. You know, it's just kind of, it just has that wooden element and it never really seems to, it just, it lacks suspense. It never, it never pulls you into the movie at all. Like well, even with it's an, because you don't know what's because you already know it's going to fucking happen. Well, pretty much, pretty much. And like I said though, but I mean, some of those nighttime scenes and you know, the suspenseful parts, you know, quote unquote are so late in the movie and it, and it happens so quick and shit. And you're just like, ah, oh, yeah. really? I mean, it's kind of too late at that point because there's been so much, like, I wouldn't even say build up. It's just kind of boring. Up yeah. Yeah. Like the only like good scene is well fuck it we already gave our reins is the only scene that I liked is like when she's up first tied into the chair and you just see what looks like to be the fucking creature behind her yeah yeah and then the fucking reveal happens and it fucking ruins that scene yeah I know right because well there is a scene where you're like 
why the fuck are they letting her go so easy? Because, you know, this Aaron chick, she's like, she's a pretty girl, man. She doesn't want to be there. She's, you know, wearing all of her good clothes and camping and stuff. And she hears some noises, freaks out, and she fucking leaves. But the scene is so awkward because William and Jessica actually confront her when she's trying to leave the motorhome. And she's like, I'm leaving. And they're just like, okay, you know, they don't really try to 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 stop her. And she actually gets on. And, and that's the other problem with these type of films, too, is like, She's leaving in the middle of the night and they're in the middle of nowhere, but she's this, you know, she's still filming herself and she's even filming herself, putting on her fucking lip smackers and being like, they didn't even fucking try to stop me and shit. And I'm just like, would you be (laughs) filming this? It's the middle of the night. Like you're talking to yourself in the middle of the woods. It's so stupid, right? Like it doesn't make any sense. I mean, that part ends up making sense, but. uh, at the same time, Uh, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And you know, the, and another, like, Cut the the whole cut the credits thing at the fucking piss me the fuck off because I wanted to see at least some fucking gore or something you know. Well, and that's Alicia. you know that's that's one thing that you kind of appreciate about like eighty slashers films and stuff because you know like you would have one of these backwoods slasher films right and you know you'd have like a main core characters but it would always kind of branch off because the producers like we need more kills and gore so you'd always have these random scenes where they'd be like some kind of motorist and stuff traveling through and then they get killed and it would have nothing to do with the core narrative of the movie and stuff well this movie doesn't even have that type of blasphemy in it either you know like just random characters that kind of come in and get killed for whatever reason and shit like that right which would add a little bit of flavor to it it would have been like okay that's kind of funny but this movie really doesn't have anything like that which is kind of a shame right yeah it's whatever. I wanted know. some kills. Like, I just wanted some, I wanted to see some blood. And, I mean, there's a setup there. I mean, we're dealing with, like, this fucking devil creature. The wooden devil the, is the name. The <laughs> wooden devil. I mean, you get hints of it. There's blood on this memoriam and shit like that. But there's, like, none of, there's no kills and gore. And, like, on it's just, like, it's just, there's so, uh, it's just a lot of missed opportunities, too, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, I can at this point, I would have appreciated those random kills by some dude just passing by. Oh, he got killed. <laughs> you know, it doesn't yeah, even... it's like like if they were gonna do it this way, they should have just made a fucking full found footage. You know what I mean? Really? Yeah. Yeah, and it would have made more sense with like the way the setup. You know, but I mean, but... And, and honestly, the twist doesn't even make any fucking sense given what the characters are and stuff. You know, between William and Jessica, it, it like honestly doesn't make any sense to me. It really doesn't. I mean, you can you can wrap your head around it and go one way or the other with it and stuff, but at the same time, it's like no, I'm. It's just not believable. It's it's really dumb. So, but I guess that's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I got nothing else to say on it. Thank you, Jason, for this masterpiece of a film. <laughs> we seem to get be getting way more misses than we didn't even now. get to choose this one. I feel fucking like does Jason hate us? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think he does actually. Um, okay, so yeah, that's uh, going to conclude Rootwood uh, from 2018. All right, thank you once again, guys, for that review. Uh, hopefully y'all like the film, so make sure you check out both Derek B. and Mood Stuff. Uh, once again, check the show notes. Now, moving on to the very last review of the night, and this one's a doozy. Uh, <laughs> it is the longest review of the night by far, and it is the review that came in at the witching hour. Is that what you call it? At the very last moment? Maybe I'm getting the... My words confused here, but I think that's what that means. Uh, and I, when I say literally at the last moment, I'm talking literally. I went to record this podcast. I checked my sh- uh, my email, 
And coming in is Lacey and Dan's review of We Summon the Darkness, which is kind of, well, I mean, on one hand, uh, I'm sure they're going to do a kick-ass review. Uh, I heard pieces of it, and it was already pretty pretty epic. Um, so that's the good news, is they did, were able to participate in the podcast. The bad news is I had a couple of jokes planned in case they didn't uh, c- come up with a podcast that, that, <laughs> that I assigned them. Uh, so uh, so I'll, I'll just save those jokes for another time here. All right, but uh, we're going to end the show with their review. Uh, we Summon the Darkness uh, with Diodario. Oh, my God, she's so hot. How she gets away, she, she's probably got to be in her early 30s now, and she still gets away playing a teenager. That's pretty fucking amazing here. But uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah, this is another film I did see. I'll say a little bit about it. Actually, you know what? I'm not going to come back on here, so never mind. Let me give you my brief opinion on We Summon the Darkness now. It was actually quite a bit of fun, better than I thought it was going to be. Uh, it did uh, give me some memories of when I used to go see a bunch of rock shows, metal shows back in the day. Um, so I enjoyed the subject matter. It's a, uh, a time period piece, which is uh, pretty cool. And I think this will make a great pairing with maybe Satanic Panic. So yeah, man, I, I enjoyed the film. It's not amazing by any means, but it's pretty fun. So we'll see what Dan and Lacey think about it. And then as soon as their review is over, it's immediately going to go to one of my favorite songs of the year. And it is from a band called Testament. They have a brand new album called Titans of Creation. And I'm going to play their lead track from the album. It's called Children of the Next Level. If you never heard of Testament, now is a good time to start. And that's, uh, that's it here. So once uh, their review is over... It'll play the song, and then we'll, we'll end it here. So I want to thank all of the podcasters that participated tonight. Uh, I'm not going to mention them all by name. I always do that and wrap up, but you can find all of this in the show notes. So make sure you do, do the show notes. I take a lot of time doing the show notes, so <laughs> please do me a favor and check out the show notes. Not only we have links to all the reviewers tonight, but I also do have links you can click on so you can re- so you can go straight to the VOD options of all of these films. If any of these films sound cool, I'll have a link to where you can uh, where it tells you where every film is on VOD and how you can rent it. So take it away, Dan and Lacey. Until next time, peace. Bloody bits. Bloody bits. Danche says Alexander Didario has the best tits. <laughs> <laughs> yes! She really does. What do you mean? <laughs> True Detective Season 1, holler at your boy. How can you do a better intro than that? You can't. Exactly. <laughs> Bloody tits, ladies and gentlemen. How the hell are you? I'm Dan Chase, and along with me today is the beautiful and lovely Lacey motherfucking Woo. And happy motherfucking anniversary. Oh my god, so it is literally... Midnight. It is midnight right this second on our anniversary, baby. Our two years. Fucking A. (laughs) And that's not the cut to the chase anniversary either, motherfuckers. That's a real thing. That's that real shit. I love you, baby. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, we are doing uh, Jason... Uh, assigned movies this time. We didn't get yes, a Yes, we got assigned a fucking, probably the best one out of all I of them. think so. Fuck yeah. I mean, maybe others might disagree, but I think we got a pretty good one. Who's going to disagree with Dario's boobs? Uh, I mean, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, are we done talk like, on our anniversary, really? <laughs> no, I really don't care. He can look all day. Because <laughs> I'm going have- to look, too. I feel like you don't remember him. I feel like we have to revisit uh, True Detective Season 1 for many reasons, but one of them, or two of them, 
being that. Well, let's talk about her, though. Like, yes. aside from her tits. Okay. All right. You know, which are legit. I'll right. admit. Right. But I'll just see what I did there. Well, I did. <laughs> yes. I, well, on that show in particular, she played kind of a uh, a crazy kind of sexy love interest, which was cool. Also, you have the Texas Chainsaw 3D. Which I did not like. I, okay. I, need, I need to go back and revisit because I just, like, there was such the most cringeworthy line in horror movie cinema for me, which is, do, do you, you think, because... Like, it's so... <laughs> and she and, says and, it. And how do you know that that's what... Because I've talked about it, or... Uh, no, because that's the cheesiest line of that movie. <laughs> well, it's the cheesiest line out of any franchise, I feel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Probably one of the most confusing entries in the Texas Chainsaw were... You think so? Yeah, just because of the fact that, okay, it's supposed to be uh, not too long after the 70s, right? But there's cell phones involved. Well, yeah, but I... There's there's camera phones. But I gotta be honest, though. Like, it's probably maybe my third favorite out of the entire franchise. And you know what? Maybe fourth. No, no, honestly, honestly, I will will agree with that. It's up there. Entertainment... Yeah. Wise, it's fun. It really is. And I, and I really do enjoy that movie. <laughs> Wait, where I mean, did that come out? Uh, I have no idea. I, I remember like going to the theater. Yeah. And it was like, I think, I want to say like 2007, 2008, somewhere around there. Right. And I remember um, we went, me and my sister went to the movie theater. And Your sister saw this with you? Yeah. <laughs> the text changed out three days. Did she yeah. like it too? I, no, we hated it. Hated it, okay. Like, I've grown to appreciate it over the years. Right, of I course. I mean, this has been like 10 years yeah, plus yeah. some at this point. For sure. But I remember going to the theater. It was AMC. Yep. And uh, my sister, no, so she had to, so we're three years apart. Mm-hmm. And so she would have been 21. I would have been 18 at the time. Yes. And they ID'd me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have my ID on Uh-oh. Me. And I was just like, I've been well over 17, <laughs> you know, because, you know, you can't see a radar movie unless I'm you're 17. I'm old enough to vote. But I literally got, I've been ID'd for two movies in the theater ever. This one and um, the second one was, I believe, American Reunion. Wow. Okay. Or, and Bridesmaids. So three. Okay. So three movies I've been ID'd to go see. So, I mean, right I guess that's good looks on me. It is indeed. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so they would not let me in to go see this movie because I didn't have my ID. And they were like, well, you need a parent or somebody that is 25 or older. And my sister was, like, only 21 or 22. And right. they, they literally would not let us go see it. So we're like, wow. oh, man, this is, like, so that built up the hype even more. Of course, absolutely. You know? like, yeah, just yeah. to not be able to see it. Right, right. And so... We went to another theater, and obviously they let us in. But, right, 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 right. But, I mean, but th- that led into, like, hype. Right, absolutely. You know, like, oh, this is going to fry my little adolescent mind. <laughs> like, you know right. who you're talking to. Right, on Lacey right, Lou. right, 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 exactly, <laughs> you know? yeah. Well, and, and the fun thing about that movie, I remember we were doing the Skeleton Crew at the time, and we interviewed Bill Mosley, who, oh, who, who's him. in the beginning of the movie. Who's, yeah. who's well, in? and he's part of this franchise. And but <laughs> here's the thing, though, I it literally is probably the most convoluted from movie to movie. There's so many different. You don't timelines. think that Leatherface is more convoluted? Uh, that oh no, that just adds into it as well. This is probably the reigning champ, just because they they I believe their excuse for all the cell phones and whatnot is. 
they reimagined the time, not in the 70s, but in the 90s or something like yeah. that. So that's how they explained it away. Now, how the fuck is anybody supposed to get that? <laughs> anybody! Like, and that's the thing with these movies, though. I almost appreciate the fact that they have no regard for continuity from movie to movie. I love it. Well, I fucking love it. Well, again, I'll have to rewatch it, but yeah. I do have to say, um, you know, given the last entry or so that we gotten from this franchise, yep. this is definitely the last one that feels close to home. I listen, Richard Reilly's in this movie. <laughs> How bad can it be? This movie's fun. Like that movie was great. Like Who was the rapper in this one? Oh god, what's his name? Hold on, hold on. Uh, I'll pull it up. First of all, Scott Eastwood was in this movie. Clint Eastwood's kid, he plays the cop. Um, He's fucking fantastic. He was on Joe Rogan's podcast. Just Trey Songs was the Trey dude. Songs that Okay, here's here's my big issue. People love Trey Songs. Though. Here here's my issue with Trey Songs in that movie. Okay. So, you're in that movie because you're Trey Songs, right? This is your first acting debut, right? <laughs> you would think, you would think that they would put his kill front and center. What does he get? He tries to get away in a car and it just fucking crashes. Rolls over. And it just fucking rolls over and it kills him. Excuse me? Like, really? That's what you're going to do? That and yeah, many... Yeah, he was very relevant at right. that time. So one thing, though, about that movie, which I guess we're trying to tie it all back to, is the fact that her acting as a lead in this movie was pretty good. It was I okay. Thought. It, it was it, pretty it, good. It was, it was subpar. It was, it was a typical slasher type of movie. Well, like, but I can be honest, like, it, and it's not because, like, guys, like, think she's hot and like her tits, whatever. Like, I mean, <laughs> like... I don't know. Like, right. it, that's not what it is. Like, she just annoyed me as an actress, to be honest. Okay. Well, what is it? The eyes? Uh, no, it's not the eyes. What do you mean, the eyes? She's got fucking intense eyes with, with really dark... Oh, my God. He so wants to fuck her. No, no, eyes. no. With really intense makeup. <laughs> it, it gives that but, psychotic... But, I mean, like, No, I didn't she, mean that. She, had, like a... she has done several pieces that I just did not care for in. She, I mean, she was in the Baywatch remake. She or, was in Hall know? Pass, remember? The, yes, I was getting there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And then I have to say, this was a complete different role, right. uh, which uh, we are reviewing. Mm -hmm. We summon the darkness. Finally, we get to it eight minutes in. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. yeah I, this might be a long one. Sorry. But but you know what? I was really excited to see this movie. Why? I don't know. You know, it's. I, I kept thinking in the vein of Satanic Panic. Um, you know, you've opened. Lords of Chaos? You. Um, okay, that well, that's fits. that's pretty extreme. No, but I know what you're saying. But the, the, the fact of the matter is, we've reviewed many movies to where initially I was completely against. Now, with that said, a movie like this comes up and immediately my interest is peaked because not only is she a star in it, but you got Johnny Knoxville. So automatically that's that's... So was it tier. her or was it Johnny Knoxville that drew you in? Both. Well, which one more so than the other? Was it the perfect tits or was it the perfect dick? She didn't even show her tits in this movie, so I don't care. Like, no, that's not a factor I mean, in this one. He showed his dick, she showed her tits. So. He showed his dick in this movie? Well, no, but I mean... He showed his dick before because he's Johnny Knoxville. <laughs> <laughs> He is the number I, one listen, jackass. Listen, okay, listen. I love, I love jackass. I love that shit. Like, and and I love Johnny Knoxville as well. So it was both. But I'll say this too, though, because of the quarantine, because of everything going on in the world, the the way it is. 
there's not a lot of new releases. And this is a new horror release with a well-known actor, actress, and yeah, and uh, automatically, like, I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm down. I'm we're game. Like, we're going to give you a little bit of credit, like, going in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, for sure. So... When I hear names like that, I know the movie's gonna be Maybe here. Meh. Right. Like, ah, it, it could. Hey, I don't listen. Know what that voice it, <laughs> <is>. <laughs> I do. I do. What do you mean? But like, yeah, yeah, exactly. That puts it in a particular bracket right away. Right yeah. away because it, it's a reflection of how much money they got to spend. And and listen, a lot of the times that's that's the difference between. A really low budget movie being shitty, and then you know it really, it really you know amping it up. Well, but can we be honest? Though? Yes, like, be honest. You hear Johnny Knoxville. Yes. Like I think The Ringer. I think Jackass. Like, do you okay. like? And we're very serious about our horror cinema mm-hmm. and what we consider good or right. You know, obviously we knew it was going to be a horror comedy once we heard his name for sure. You know, like to a, that, to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah, yeah for so, sure. So, like, is he going to bring it? Like, well. I mean that that was our preconceived notion. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So, absolutely. could he bring it as a serious actor? Is kind of maybe right. We didn't know what the tone of this film was going to be. We didn't we didn't uh, research anything going in. We didn't right. watch any trailers. We just watched it. Right. I've seen him. You know, I wish I could think. You know, I'm going to Google it right now. I'll come back to this in a second. But I've seen that guy. Do some fucking really good acting work. So you believe he is a legit actor? Fuck yeah! And and on it. Okay, I'm gonna say something that may be somewhat controversial, but I'm just gonna fucking say it. Acting isn't even that fucking hard. It really isn't. I'm sorry, but it's hard to fuck it up. Like to really squander it, you know, and make it obvious that you can't act. Like. That's just my personal perspective, but, like, any time that I've ever had to, like, it it just, it doesn't seem like that hard of a thing. With that said, with that said, though, when I've seen Knoxville in things, there's very... It's a genre. He, wasn't he in one of the Men in Blacks, too? I, I believe have, he was. I he, but I, I've only seen one and two. I've seen, and The Ringer was, like, he was in that movie so, a lot. But he's very much a genre personality. Like, he's very comedy. There are very few moments that I've seen him acting where I'm like, eh, that was, like, subpar. That wasn't that great. Most of it is really good. And I'll, and I'll you know, my hat's off to that guy. Like, he started doing one thing. He he made the transition into another. And I think you, he's fucking great. Well, but, I mean, it's comedy, though. So, right. like, you hear Johnny Knoxville's name, you don't think, like, serious actor. I Okay, so what I personally thought, like I said, it was it was more in the vein of, satanic panic like this is gonna be a horror horror comedy i'm sure you know some of the gore might be over the top and and it might be a little campy yes but it's gonna be regardless a lot of fun yeah and this movie was very reminiscent of satanic panic fuck yeah it was the feel like i mean the 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 story alone is not the same but you know let's break down horror comedies for a second too okay. because there's so many different types and 
you know, there's there's so many different forms. Of some horror of it, comedy. Yeah, some of them hit, some of them don't at all. Okay, like, can you give me two examples of two different horror comedies? Absolutely. So straight up is like the spoofs, like the early, oh, okay. the early scary movies, right? Yeah. Where you got it's a complete spoof. It's ridiculous, but it's referencing things that we know. And it's just over-the-top silliness. And that's what I like. You know, I yeah, obviously, you know... They're capitalizing uh, in on a moment. Uh, absolutely. And, and not only that, but they're capitalizing on the fact that there's a niche for this, this kind of thing. And that's what we are. We love horror movies. So, of course, I'd like to see that, you know... Be made fun of. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. And, and you know what? And you can tell they're a horror fan. When it's done well. Yeah. You know? I mean, it... it after three, it gets right. Regular. Exactly, exactly. Now you also have the type of horror comedies where, and this this particular movie I don't love, but like Drag Me to Hell, right? Where they're, you feel like that was a horror comedy? Fuck it. Like at certain times, yeah, it's over the top. It's I didn't it's. Feel like it was. Or okay, all right. So I, I, I would feel like that's PG thirteen horror. PG, yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's a difference. Okay, it's 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 very campy. It's very like there's situations where like. You know, she's drooling on her, and like it's just like ridiculous. Well, like it, it's, it's grotesque. Exactly. Like but there's a difference, though. Like I mean, they're trying to minimize like the horror, yes. and make it more gross, just so like the younger audience can you know get that feel. I, I don't know. That goat I, for, was pretty fucking for scary. For me, in like that there's the spoof, yeah. and then there is you know like the Tucker versus Dale. Right. Okay. All, all of these are good or examples. Or even Cabin in the Woods. I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing for sure. Every single movie that we just mentioned are completely different from each other. And they're that's, fun as fuck. But that's what I'm trying to say. So so I said Drag Me to Hell just as, as an example. That's just one particular vein. And, yeah. and here's the thing though. As a director or whatever, when you set forth to do that, you're towing a line. Some would even, you know, say, um, or, you know, a lot of people would say, like, Hatchet. And those movies are horror comedies as well. Well, and not only with the gore and everything, but, like, if you look at all the dialogue, it's just, it, this... It's campy. It's literally, like, yeah, exactly. It's literally that of a fucking comedy. Like, is there a difference between campy and comedy? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 but, but there are many different types of comedy. But, like, the camp is... Definitely synonymous with horror, for sure. So, with that said, coming into this movie in particular, to to say the least, um, I had I had an open mind going in, and like I said to you before, I I have you to thank for that. I I used to be that guy that would look down on these movies and say, "All right, it's up to you to kind of prove yourself." You know, now I have an open mind going in, and and I'll be honest with you, uh, when we first started watching this movie, I thought it was okay. All right, yeah, they're hitting all the marks. They're doing everything that they should do. This is fun. I'm intrigued. That's what you want, right? Like, you, like set up the characters and then set up the situation. When I was intrigued is when, you know, um, our main characters are going to a concert and they end up having a little run-in with a couple dudes in a van. Which, I mean, that's a very typical scenario. It, I mean, That's it, what it, I loved it, about it. It's a real scenario. That's what I loved. But I need to backtrack a little bit. Yes, yes. And you were honestly intrigued because of Alexandria Daddario again. I'm You're going to go back to that? Yeah, I am. Okay. 
that like that sold you right away. <laughs> but without a doubt, like I said, her Knoxville, yes, I'm intrigued. But at that point, though, I, literally, I've never seen her in anything that I haven't liked. So while I'm while I have an open mind going into it. You're um, still skeptical? In the back of my mind. That's that's always where I'm at. That's always where I'm at. And listen, that's the that's the cynicism in me. But at the same time, I like that aspect of it because when my expectations are low and a movie does surprise hey, me, it hits. It, it, you can feel can it. Can we talk so. about the title of the film? Yes. So, We Summon in the Darkness. Yes. Like... When you found out that was going to be our movie for the segment, uh huh. Like, what was your initial thoughts? You know, you literally heard my initial thoughts. I was fucking stoked. <laughs> I was super happy. No, because all right. Well, so, did you had you already heard about it? Or yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, I didn't. That this movie has had uh, some hype around it for sure. Now, with that said, like, <laughs> again, I'm I'm usually very skeptic you know but at least with this movie i'm like okay yes i've heard of this and like we said before uh well-established known actors that check that box as well and in a world where there's not too many movies coming out for one and in a world where i'm so and i hate to say it again i know we we kind of dove into this on one of the one of the most recent shows but it's one of those things where I've seen so many indie horror movies that just fucking fall flat and like, hey, keep going. I I commend all of you. Keep making movies, but they are just not for me. Like, I've been let down just probably twice as many times as I've actually been surprised. So, but well, kind of like still, Hunter's Moon. The, <laughs> Well, I mean, like that's no, a no, perfect example. It, it is because perfect. it had Sean Patrick Flannery, yes, and Thomas Jane, fucking Punisher. Like, yes, you, you hear those two names, you're in, in, right? Totally you're sold, in. totally. So, so we got Johnny Knoxville, yep, and Alexandria Daddario, yep, and you bring them up against Thomas Jane and Sean Patrick Flannery, right? Which one are you gonna watch first? The Punisher and Powder, right? <laughs> I yeah, mean, I mean, you, right. you like think about it that way. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, you know, spoilers: Sean Patrick Flannery dies in the first fucking five minutes. He's the Drew Barrymore of that fucking movie. Um, but see, that in itself is very telling because that says, "Hey, we have this certain amount of budget, and we just fucking we spent a third of it on him, and he's already and gone." And that's a werewolf movie. And that is what. And you know what? Like with all the kills in that movie and all the fucking. All the werewolf. I couldn't even finish it. All the werewolf fucking claw swipes. Like I'm <laughs> sorry, but that was like a it, 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 just, it was like a bad fucking '80s adaptation. Can I be honest with you? What up, baby? When you're talking about a movie and you say I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We know it's bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, what? Right? Like, for real. It, it, and you know what? That movie in itself, like it had some good qualities, but. There's no denying the fact that they had to cut many corners just to fucking, you know, pay their actors yeah. what they paid them. Hey, and and it, Thomas Jane had a big part. He did. He did. Uh, well, sort of. He was in like the last third of it. Yeah. Even then, though, like I well, said. I didn't finish it. I couldn't. <laughs> I, I literally I was like, I'm going to bed. Bye. And you know what? You're going to become a better person for not seeing it because it added <laughs> nothing to my life. Now. Again, going back to this movie, um, 
you know, they set it up like a bunch of girls going to a concert. And like I said, they have a run in with these guys. Now, like you said, that's very true to life. For me personally, as somebody that's been to a million fucking rock shows and and did this thing regularly in my teens and in my early 20s, it's like automatically I, I felt it. I was like, oh, this is cool. This is something that I want to watch. Because often in slashers, in, in you know, movies like this where they're setting something up, you don't know what, the initial premise is kind of make or break, you know? A lot of it's kind of like just lazy and, and nothing really happens. But hey, it's a group of friends going to a concert. Like, right there, I'm intrigued. <laughs> That's a movie that I want to watch. Okay, I'm game. Like, let's go. Well, and I think the thing that kind of intrigued me was because I was a big fan of Lords of Chaos. Yes. And Great movie. I, I really dug that. But people are saying this is like the metal horror movie that we need. Okay. And... I, you know, I I kind of remembered <clears throat> a Devil's Candy, but not really. And I know uh-huh. people like that a lot. You need to I, watch I would that not for sure. classify this movie as metal horror at all. Metal horror? Yeah. No, like okay. But no, that's what people are saying. Oh word. Yeah. No. Fuck no. Fuck no. So here's okay. So what is Green Room fucking uh, metal drama? <laughs> Uh, or probably. or like, yeah, do you no, know people saying? love that too. Just because you take a movie and put it in the music scene, absolutely. And but there, there is no metal in this film, right? Exactly. I mean, the last song is a pop song, in my opinion. I I, I always felt a pop like song. <laughs> yes, I I always felt like too the metal thing and the horror thing kind of ran concurrent because a lot of metal fans and a lot of um you know heavy rock groups they get the same flack because of of similar imagery like stuff like that 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 they share with with the horror crowd which is complete bullshit and if you you know you look into it for two fucking seconds you realize it's it it all comes from the same place it's like me and lisa we just fucking love halloween like shit's fun like hey halloween Halloween. (laughs) so it's like so so it comes from the same place so no i completely disregard that the fact that it takes place uh, with them going to a concert initially, I'll give them that. Like it's part of the plot, but like like I said before, like green room, same idea too. That's not necessarily indicative of all punk rock bands that right. they're Nazis <laughs> that <laughs> fucking follow Patrick Stewart. So so it's just the initial. I follow Patrick Stewart. Though. But but here's the thing I though. Mean, that's Professor X. I I exactly. I love setups like this though. I love setups that it feels like a horror movie. It feels it feels real. It, it feels, feels right. It exactly. And and the horror comes later, but set up something where it's worth watching initially where we want to follow these girls, where we we want to follow these characters. Now, here's the part where I feel like, you know, it's integrated. Um okay. W- with with a horror movie and being what it is, from this point on, you have to set something up to A, either lead us a certain direction and then fool us, or do something with the plot. Like, let let these things or, happen. Or just be balls to the wall. That, that too. And you know what? <laughs> it fucking, it did both. <laughs> I, I don't, like, I feel like it kind of, like, wanted to go there. Right. Like, but I felt like it was very kind of PG. PG, yeah, yeah you think so? Yeah, well, I mean... 
she has a fucking gardening tool. Right. Like, I mean, we're getting to that later, but right. like, I I was super let down with the kills. Okay, here's <laughs> here's the problem. Um, I <sighs> super let down. Honestly, honestly, though, it it it's more of a why am I let down? It, is it a letdown because we expected what to happen to have that that did well, happen? It, it was pretty very and that's the problem but, with this but, movie but it didn't take away any of the fun it it didn't oh no no fuck this no this movie is fun okay so basically they set it up like hey they met these group of guys and you know automatically you're looking at all the characters you're looking at all the interactions and we're about to get into spoilers oh absolutely oh yeah yeah spoilers Spoil, throughout spoilers spoilers yo Lacey Lou and I from Cut to the Chase if you we think that we're not gonna spit <laughs> fucking spoilers you're out of your mind uh, but the way they set it up, it's like, okay, yeah, we meet these group of guys now, and and where's this going to go from here? Now, playing with everybody's expectations of, yeah, it's probably the guys or whatever, like, listen, automatically, and I'll be honest with you, baby, this is the third fucking movie that we've seen in the last couple months that they've done exactly this. Yeah, it's like we talked about 100 Literally, like, uh, and... What was the Scottsdale Compton movie as well? Oh yeah, where it's same all, thing. Where it's like female empowerment. It 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 pulls that thing where it's like, hey. I don't think that's what that was trying to do though. They that's exactly what they did and they failed miserably. Well, at it. well, no, I feel like in this one specifically, mm-hmm. I feel like they were trying to go after a religion. Okay. No. Oh, I, I totally agree with that, but. Initially, they and try adding, and adding females. But but here's the thing though, they try and set it up initially because you know the girls are in the car and they hear something on the radio. Of, and they're trying to divert your attention somewhere and, else. And she's like, change she's that. Like, no, but she's like, but because they did it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's one of those things where, yeah. Well, no, they didn't do it. Right. Well, their crew, their clan. But we thought they did them all. Yeah. Yeah, so we did. Yeah, this, that, right. That was, I So, too, like I said, too, it's it's initially, like, I guess for, for layman's, it's like, oh, it's going to be the guys that fucking do something to them. Are going to do something, yeah. Did, now, and I say that. And, and, but did you ever feel that way? Like, oh, these girls are in danger? Or did you always believe that, yeah, they are the fucking devil worshippers. They're going to be uh, the fucking ones getting shit done. You know, I didn't know it was going to happen, like, when they were at the concert. Right. You know, um, they're talking to them outside. But yep. w- once they got back to the girl's yes, house. Yes, And, you know, she's talking to the other girl that seems, like, reluctant to do anything. Right. And she's like, here, just pour a drink like I do. Like, you- it, it, it. I knew at that point. And I said this when we were watching it. Do you remember me saying this feels like a certain segment in Trick or Treat? Yes. And a Pac-Man's uh, segment? It, yeah, yeah, very much so. Same it, fucking it does, thing. It was the same setup. For sure. And you know what? I've seen this setup a bunch of fucking times. And that's where automatically I was like, fuck. I was like, they already kind of let me down. But once that hits and, you know, they're playing Have You Ever... Right uh, around the never fire. Never have I ever. Never I, have I ever. That was actually in my notes. Yo, look at you and yeah, your note taking. Did you ever play that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a yeah. game. That's a that's a game for sure. That's a fun game to play. You think so? Absolutely. Well, I feel like that's just kind of like a game to like sh- 
show who's going to sleep with who at the end of the night, honestly. What do you mean? Like, let's see how, like, kinky this bitch is. Let's see how... <laughs> like, honestly, like, yeah. never have I ever swapped a dick. Well, right, never have right. I ever yeah. Yeah, you're right. Girl. Like, I mean, it's just, like, it's all about now that sexuality. I, now like, that I think really, about it, like, you're right. It, it's a very sexual game, and, like, people that are playing it, like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll play a drinking game. Right. But, like... <laughs> But if you're at like a high school party or a college party and you're playing Never Have I Ever, and you're, you're, you're just scoping out who you're going to fuck for total, the night. And you're drunk and you're feeling truthful anyway. Yeah. So there you like, go. Let's see where we're at. So in this particular game, she asked the question, never have I ever drugged somebody's <laughs> drink? And I thought that I was... I never have. Right? No, neither have I. <laughs> have you ever had your drink drugged? Never. Never. If it was, it would be by me. Okay. <laughs> no, uh, but <laughs> it did happen to me. Did, oh, oh, really? Yeah. What uh, was this? What the my fuck? 20, my twenty fourth birthday. Damn. Like, yeah, it was crazy. Um, I remember sitting. Um, somebody brought me a drink. Was it like, a roofie? I, I, I did a couple of shots. Yeah. And then I went outside and smoked a cigarette, and I was at a bar. Uh huh. And. I don't like these stories, but well, continue. Yeah, I yes. I know. And I, I know. This and, is okay. But, like, uh. Date rape drugs affect people differently. Right. Like, some are, like, really on you, or and then other times they subdue you. Totally. And for me, it literally, like, left me paralyzed. Right, right, right. So, like, I'm just, like, sitting on the table smoking a cigarette, and the next thing I know, like, I'm just sitting there, like, in a zone. Right. Like, I was just zoned in. Do you think it was accurate in the movie how they kind of just, like, lost all mortar skills and fell down? No, not at all. No, I don't know what they gave them, but, like, when I had, um, like, luckily, like, I had my friends and family with me. Yep. So, like, they had my back, so nothing happened. Damn. But I literally, like, fell back onto the table, and the next thing I remember is, like, I woke up and I was in my chair in my house. Oh. You know? So, luckily, it was a good, good ending. But it could, it <laughs> right. could have been really bad. But, I mean, you never know. You know what's fucked up, honestly, is how many times you're in a social setting and you hear a girl tell that exact same story. Like, you, you hear that a lot. Yeah. Like, it happens a lot, which is so fucked up. Which, you know, and, and in this movie... Um, I knew, I knew that they were playing with this from the, from the jump. So when this game was happening and like you said, you you made a good point. She rolls up to her house, which is a fucking mansion. Initially, I didn't think it was her house. I just thought that they were, they either. When they were in the gas station. Right. Uh, it had a little TV. We, we got to backtrack just a minute. Yep. They had a little TV and there's a preacher on it. And obviously that's John It's him. Right, right, right. So like, and they're like, no, you need to listen to him. It's setting it up. Right. But you didn't know at the time of like his significance of like that plot line. And I knew that, that these bitches were up to something sketchy. But like I said, once they rolled up to the house, I initially thought, okay. Rolled up. Well, we said, we were like, this isn't her house. Because I was like, we were like, look at the pictures. Now shows how smart we are because they literally go to the pictures and it is Dario. So it is her house, but... But it just didn't show her tits, so you didn't know? I didn't know. I got okay. confused. Like, if you don't show me tits, I just, I veer well, off. Oh, we know. I just, I just wander off. So... <laughs> you little dick. <laughs> so going back, though, she parks away from the house, right? Because she knows that it, it wouldn't necessarily be approved, right? By Knoxville and all that. 
Yeah, and all no, them. no. Um, this is what they were doing. Like the whole plot of the film is, uh, you get people to make it seem like it's part of a satanic cult. Right. They're really not. No. And you're gonna have unsuspecting people that normally wouldn't do these things. Correct. Commit these crimes. Correct. To make Johnny Knoxville look even better. Yeah, like a. These things are happening and they're caused by the occult. Because he's against them. He mentions them. It's very much a us versus them yeah. type of deal. And it's ironic, kind of, that is smart. And I ironically, like the twist is, you know, Johnny Knoxville is Daddario's dad. Right. And and that's even, that's even better. Now, with that said, before he shows up, there's a lot of... Um, Shit that happens. There's a lot of chaos. Yeah. So they, they initially drug the guys... It doesn't really take 100% on all of them. But I like that, though. Because I like that, I, too. Because they're like teenagers and yes. they're like stupid as fuck. Exactly. Thank you. And that's... It was it swa- It was a little was sloppy. sloppy. You, you got egos involved. You got emotions that kind and, of... And you got yeah. a girl that wants to fit in, but right? at the same time, like, she has morals, which I honestly... She's the girl from Hellfest, by the way. That is her. The main chick that from Hellfest. That is her, yeah. I really hated her character in this. Like, I don't know why, but I really wanted the villains to win in this. You know why, though? Because they're trying to set up already before anything even happens oh she's got a conscience or whatever and all these things but I just it's didn't like care and you don't right you know me off that's the, the problem was the fact that she that they sent her out to you know get whatever tools yep. needed and she spent comes- four hours <laughs> <laughs> yes literally she was out there for fucking 14 hours no literally for the entire movie. And she comes back with the best garden tool that you come back with. Right, right. And, like, it's showcased in at least three different scenes, but that tool never does anything. It never lives no. up to oh, its and potential. And I'm just like, all right, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. I told you this as we're watching. It was it was like a rotor tiller type of deal. Had it been used, yeah. it would have been iconic, it would have been great, and yeah. it would have hey, gave this movie baby. an extra point on my radio. And we were waiting for it. And you know what's fucked up about it is the fact that there's a certain point in the movie <laughs> where she goes down to the basement I believe to hit the light. Something. Whatever. She brings it with her and they literally show her not only putting it down but when the scene's over picking it back up and carrying it with her. But so, nothing happens So yeah, Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. So now we're like Okay, like, we were ragging on the rototiller before, but, hey, she's still got it, so it's got to come back in some fucking gory, significant but, way. But it doesn't. It never but, fucking happens. And so the movie gets a whole deduction of a point for me on that. It, I, and you know what? I totally agree. Sometimes it's not about what you do or don't do, but like, if you... Like, don't present it if you're not going to use it. Yeah, if you're setting shit up that you have no intention of paying off with a bloody goriness that's going to fucking make everybody be like fuck yeah okay like i can rock with that then don't do it then just don't do it then don't show me scenes of her fucking carrying this thing around exactly. the, the whole second half of the movie anyways there's a lot of fucking you know the girls trying to get to the guys they're 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 setting fucking the, the deaths were very lackluster they were oh absolutely like, i mean uh you mentioned John Knoxville comes yep. in at a point. He comes in, yeah, and, later on. Uh, well, there was the kid from Escape Room, which you hated Escape Room. I fucking hate that movie. Why'd you hate it? 
You know why I hate that movie? Well, you did Escape Room. <laughs> What's what? Really? <laughs> no, no, no. All right, we're gonna Baby. Bring, we're gonna bring this back. Baby, you Dan talk. Chase and I did Escape Room. Baby. Did an Escape Room in the oh, Lake of the Ozarks when we went on vacation last year. Yeah, the real and Ozarks. He was not even reading any clues, and the bitch comes in <laughs> and says, "Hey, if you need a clue, just wave at the camera, and I'll give you a clue." <laughs> So what does Dan Chase do, like, five <laughs> minutes into the escape room? He, like, waves his hands like crisscross will make you want to jump, jump, and says, yo, I need a fucking clue. <laughs> <laughs> it was bullshit. The whole fucking room was bullshit for But no, I was smart. I got Listen, a bunch of shit. You did. No, you know what? You were, <laughs> you were, were very you smart. Were you impressed? I'll say this. Were you impressed? I was impressed with your ability to work Put up with your bullshit. No, to work within the confines of a fucking flawed system because that's exactly what that fucking escape room was. They had literally it was riggedy. Okay, no. It was wiggy wiggy wow. They had one thing set up with the bookshelf, right? And we got the clue to go to the bookshelf, right? Guess what? Not only is there not a book to pull. It's a whole fucking uh, shelf. No, 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 yeah, yo, no. That that well, was because it didn't work. Technically, you, you pulled up the whole thing. Well, te- right. Well, technically, that was the exit. It was supposed to uh, pull out, and we were supposed to walk yeah. out and get our fucking trophies, right? But we weren't even there. So, no. <laughs> like we were so, like we were like we were like thirty percent into the game. Yeah, we no. She said we made it like what. 70% of the way? Well, yeah, but at the time that you pulled it out, though. So, no, check it out. So, that was the clue. So, I pulled the book, right? You know what I get when I pull the fucking book? A fucking nail right in my finger. This thing was literally fucked but up. But he signed a waiver. I signed a waiver so I can't <laughs> sue him, but I had to go get a shot because I didn't want tetanus. You did not that get That didn't happen. No. no, we ended up going to see he, chapter two. No, but he really did get <laughs> yeah. a nail in his thumb. It was fucked up. So, so the whole thing was to pull the book, and it was literally fucking fucked up. It was wrong. Like, the thing was not working properly. And I'll say this. I don't like fucking cheap shit like that. Give me an escape room. Give me give me all your fucking brain busters. But if you're going to set something up like that, that literally doesn't even work. The girl even said, she, oh, this is another thing. We're all in that fucking mindset. Like, hey, we're going to do this, guys. And we felt alone. And she's like, you're going to be secluded. Right as I did that and I was complaining about it, this fucking girl just like comes right in the room. Like nothing. Like, just in her little fucking stupid Ozark t-shirt. And she's just like, oh, sorry, I gotta fix this. And she fucking did so. (laughs) As we're doing the escape room. And I just stood there. (laughs) And I just stood there with this blank look on my face. I'm like, you fucking ruined it. Like, I wanted that experience, like you said, like the movie. Like, like I want to feel like there's some stakes involved. And then this little 16-year-old bitch comes out and she's like, oh, I gotta fix that. <laughs> well, why don't you fix the nail that fucking just penetrated my fucking finger? I'm done with this Dan fucking escape room. I'm, I still am. I'm trying, to, I'm, I'm trying to figure out things. I need a fucking clue. Yes, exactly. Anyways, no, so, I... Yes, Escape Room. But you had seen Escape Room prior to seeing. I just didn't like the actor. He was a little bitch. Like I just didn't like his face. Well, he was also in Before I Fall. Oh yeah, he was good in that. Yeah. Yeah. 
like that movie. But <laughs> actually, he was okay. He, he kind of played a little bitch in that movie, well, too. Well, he's kind of played a little bitch in everything that he's done. I think, though, that... Including this. Well, he right. gets shot in the head by Johnny Knoxville. And you know what? As much as we deducted a point for the other thing, I think uh, we got to give another point for shooting that kid in the fucking head. No, that actually was a good kill. Knoxville just literally rolls right up and just fucking caps him right in the head. I was like, well, oh, no, because he's, like, trying to, like, help me. Right. Right, well, right, and he was like... John Nash was like, I gotta clean this shit up. But, but again, very predictable. Nothing that we haven't seen before. And it's like, I don't know. This was very, um, it felt like paint by the numbers, very by the book. But I don't even feel like that's the biggest sin of the movie. You what know, is? You, you know they have those sin counts or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cinema I sins. I, I love cinema sins. I feel like the biggest sin yep. is not explaining what happens to the blonde girl that gets set on fire. Ding! I mean, because she didn't look like she was going to die. I mean, she could have put her head in the toilet and survived. I agree. Like, she just went off camera after she got lit on fire. And, like, that was it. You never see her again. And then the end scene is uh, Johnny Knoxville. Right. You know, Alexandria Daddario gets run over. Yes, she does. But Johnny Knoxville saying, yes, she was a martyr. Like, pretty much. Basically, just kind of um, pushing forward the same thing that they've been doing <laughs> the whole agenda. movie, right? Yeah. And, and that's the whole purpose of it. So he decided to to flip it and blame it all on his daughter, which obviously kind of furthers him even more and shows right. how cutthroat he is. And, and, and stuff that, like that he wasn't behind this to and, begin with, well, and, right, which, and, which his cult is. Which there was a there was a dead cop there. Like there was a lot that that easily somebody could probably tell that. Not only yes, <laughs> uh, are you behind all of this shit, but probably just fucking connect them to many of the things. One of the things, shooting the kid in the fucking head. Like, if they did some actual police work. But you know what? It's a movie. It was fun. I thought it was... I thought it was okay. I thought it was okay. I was excited to see it. Uh, was I let down? Maybe slightly. But you know what? I was also happy that... There are competent movies like this being made. It we was had fun. fun. With it. it was fun. And, you know, even though we called out a lot of the things and even though, you know, whatever, there were a lot of moments where we were just cracking up laughing. Yeah, it was fun. It was just a lot of fun. And we tried not to go too in depth with this. Right. Because we don't want to spoil everything. Well, I think we just did. Well, I mean, <laughs> so Dan Chase. Yes. How many hearts since oh. it's our anniversary? Yes, baby. Do you give this film? Uh okay. So this film. Uh, A little bit of hot and soul. Wow. Uh you know, it's right now is between a three and a three point five. Uh, you know what? I'm feeling. I'm Generous. feeling lovey dovey. I'm feeling like uh, you know. Pacey Witter on Aww. on the on the true love. Uh, I'll give it a three point five. I'll give it an extra heart, which has nothing to do with the movie, just because I'm in a good mood and I love you, Lacey Lowe. Oh, I love you too. I give it a three point <laughs> five as well. I think it's a solid indie yeah. horror flick. Um, I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it had the same impact as Satanic Panic. Do you think it'll make anybody's top ten list? For um. Sure? Well, we'll see what gets produced. You know, it, it's very possible. Out of the uh, fourteen movies being released this year, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's very possible. That's what I'm saying. So, and I'll and I'll be honest with you, this was a typical. Ask ins- me again in two months. A perfect, <laughs> perfect 
fucking answer, baby. Well, thank you everyone for putting up with Lacey Wu and I what as do we mean? do our thing. Now, just putting up with him. <laughs> yes, thank you for putting up and with me. And thank you for being a part of our anniversary. Yes, all of you snuggle fucks. Thank you very much. So for Lacey Wu, this love. is Dan Chase saying peace out, okay, bloody bitch.